Ryan, what do you think, Ryan? <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode number 146 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, March 26, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I am ready to blow V8 in a very pithy manner. And from America's left coast, where the $1,400 stimulus checks are moving faster than the Suez Canal. I'm Ryan Bemrose. (laughs) Nobody's going through the Suez Canal now. They're blocked up. Yeah, well, neither of those fucking checks coming out either. It's worse than the keto diet, man. I tell you, not good. Wow. Okay. You know what I haven't had in a while and really need? Uh, How many people are getting shot in Chicago? Uh, How many people are getting shot in Chicago? It's Friday, even though I messed that up the day, I guess, when we left the last show. I think I said we were coming back. Then I had to fix that. I think at the beginning of the show, I also messed up the date. So I, I did a full Adam Curry podfather just wrong day with these shows just kind of meld well, into you see, another with, with clever editing and also not mentioning it on the next show nobody uh, will notice but no it's good you want people it's very transparency is good unlike the biden white house we don't come prepared with notes to read off of but people are still getting shot in chicago we just like to give that number on monday as a pick me up for everybody to start the week yeah like, i but mean the, why bring okay. them down on a friday i because they deserve it but hey, jackass.com is always the place to go if you want to know how many people have been getting shot. I don't know. Chicago. I was just wondering if if all of the new gun control was having an effect yet. No, it, you know, it turns out that gun control actually never stops the issues. And nobody wants to talk about the real issue, which is just one on one crime. Well, Democrats, yes, because they're the ones making the laws in these major cities. But the stats on this concept and i know we've talked about it here before when you talk about these mass shootings and yes they always make the news but the reality is they do the mass shootings when you average it out over the last you know decade in the united states when it comes to homicides and there's a decent amount of homicides but when it comes to homicides in the united states do you know what percentage mass shootings actually entail when it comes to homicides it's almost nothing. Yeah, it's like two tenths of a percent. I mean, well, it, it, it's the beauty of of selective reporting and and you know using selection bias to to tell your own narrative in the media, which is so amazingly enabled by the twenty four seven news cycle that everyone's on now. Is that every minute of every single day, some human is being a total shit. To some other human. It's what people do. It's when you cram 7 billion of them onto the same planet and make them all live, you know, live near each other, relatively speaking, then, you know, someone is going to do horrible things to someone else. It's human nature. But when you can go in and cherry pick, okay, well, this one reinforces my narrative. So let's turn that into a a four day long 24 seven cycle. Yeah. And then completely ignore the other ones. It's horrible when 10 people get shot. But let's be honest, 
Go to it's horrible you. when anyone gets shot. Yes. I'm, I'm not really like it's not my favorite way to spend a Friday. Looking at HeyJackass.com in Chicago this year so far, 680 people shot, 555 shot and wounded, 125 shot and killed. But the media doesn't talk about that. But they'll go on about, oh, 10 people were well, shot it, in Colorado. It's like, who tr- trust me, gives if, a flying, you know, if anybody can identify that the shooter had light colored skin, it would be all over the news. <laughs> It was until they realized that he was a Muslim dude from Syria. <laughs> that was, yeah. And nobody, nobody see, I, I, I haven't checked lately, but which channel exactly is talking about the fact that Biden just got finished bombing Syria? I, you know, I would think that could be a legitimate question that he could have been asked during the press conference, but no, we're treating Sleepy Joe like he is the grandfather yeah. that's in dementia that you don't want to trigger. Well, he, he is the grandfather in dimension. I just don't want him triggering me anymore <laughs> or pressing the button. I mean, yeah. oh, man, it's, it's and, and as, as you well know, it's not Joe Biden making these decisions. It's all of the dipshits behind him. It's Kamala. It's the the DNC. Susan you know, Rice and Obama. Yeah. They said he's been talking to Obama, Obama. daily. So, I mean, who do you think is pulling the, the strings? That is that is legitimately a conspiracy theory because there is a conspiracy going on in the White House. And we are theorizing on it. And yeah, so it's a conspiracy theory. It might be totally true, but you, I mean, we're pretty sure that Joe Biden does not have the ability to think far enough ahead to be able to bomb a foreign country at this point. Well, we saw that so, in the is. press conference. We saw that he came in, the, the president in the modern era that took the most time. He had all the best drugs during that press conference. He had to just to keep him standing straight up. But when you walk into a press conference, with notes that you will then read off of. You can say what you want. And I understand why a lot of people didn't like Donald Trump, but the guy spoke his mind and didn't need a folder full of notes to refer to when a question was asked. And in just the one hour or so press conference, there were multiple times that Biden lost his train of thought. And I understand this happens to everybody. Yeah, it happens to me when I try to follow up Biden's speech. You can't understand what he's saying because he doesn't know where he's going and he winds up somewhere different. And it's it's horrible when it happens. I mean, it happens in conversation. It happens when doing podcasts and you're making a point. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what was I saying? But it's happening way too much to this guy. And he is the number one person in the world. He is the leader of the free world. I don't think that's true anymore. I think that the United States has has lost that position. And I don't know if it happened before Trump. It might have happened during Obama. I think, you know, we we go back to Reagan or Bush and they probably were, you know, out there swinging enough dicks to still try to claim on that. But somewhere, you know, when Obama embarked on a campaign of systematically handing away U.S. sovereignty to the U.N. and to China and to everywhere else. I don't think that we've had the I don't think the U.S. is the number one. I mean, sure, biggest military. And that's probably important if if you just decide to indiscriminately go bomb countries. So maybe the Democrats have something going there. Uh, But uh, I mean, who's the most powerful in the world? I don't think that there's much. I, I, if the argument came up, my money would be on uh, Xi Jinping. Well, I said the free world, unless you're considering oh. China part of the free world. And I don't think they it's are freer than the United States is these days. Well, the leaders maybe are. I don't know maybe, yeah. about the citizens, oh. although Russia is. We are. Yeah. 
that I don't think there's a question about that. I think Russia is the one that's moving in a better direction. I don't know how the pandemic has hit them as far as what's going on with government control. It is interesting whether you think the vaccines are good or whether they're effective or whether they're dangerous. I mean, forget all of that for a minute. The fact is the United States has vaccinated about half of its population. And over in Europe, it's like 5%. So it's an interesting thing. And now let's just either way, if it is an actual vaccine that's working and not going to kill a bunch of people, the United States is really way far ahead. And if it is a really bad thing that's going to screw with everybody moving forward, then the United States is screwed one way or the other. This is the ultimate gamble, I guess, because everywhere else in the world, they don't have this vaccine. And there's a simple reason why they don't have the vaccine is because they don't have capitalism. They don't have companies that were looking for a solution to this. You, the you, solution, mean, you mean corporatism? Yeah, well, uh, corporatism <laughs> and crony capitalism. Yeah, but it's working. Yeah, pure capitalism doesn't bring you things like uh, uh, complete indemnification for all vaccine injuries. That that takes government. Well, right, it's part of it, and that was part of the hey, we need this really quick. So if these companies uh, are going to play this game, don't. that it made a certain amount of sense. It, I mean, again, it really, it's depending on your scale of where you are when it comes to buying into. The vast majority of the news that you've been fed over the last year or so. The last stat I saw uh, on uh, it, it was a statistic I saw come across No Agenda Social, but it was backed up. I even looked up the statistics because I was in research mode. Uh, was uh, that according to the death statistics uh, put out by CDC and other government agencies, uh, coronavirus is somewhere between four and six times more deadly than the average seasonal flu. And that sounds about right. Yeah, when I, was, uh, I think I guessed between two and three. So I was a little low, but yeah, it's in the and, ballpark. And, and, you know, again, it's difficult that that feels about right. Given what I have paid attention to, it's really difficult to tell because reporting of, of what is a COVID death and what's not a COVID death is still extremely sketchy. Like, you know, OK, he he had, you know, six gunshots in his abdomen, died of covid that that's our reporting still happened. Well, so there's that. And then nobody's not died of the out, flu. And nobody's died of the flu. But the other half of the statistic, which, again, is verified from their statistic, you know, V.A.E.R.S., the the vaccine injury database, uh, which has been tracking Ever since the 80s, when when they gave full immunity to all vaccine companies and said nobody's allowed to ever sue them, no matter how negligent they are, um, they've been tracking government payouts for vaccine injuries and people report into this database when the vaccine. Well, the covid vaccines, according to the VAERS database, which isn't even the database, they're not even the group that pays out, but they're still reporting is about 500 times more deadly and or injurious than the flu vaccine and um, the end result i mean the, what kind of percentage are we talking because this is this is vital meaning this is, is this is one uh, in a million people get sick from or a bad reaction to the flu so this is you know like 500 uh, in a million i mean what no, are this these? is this is more like one in ten thousand it's a decent amount it's it's a decent amount it's it, it's not it I mean, it, it's not so much. I also, by the way, that's that's just people who report. I think it's more like one in 40 
that get a, enough of a reaction that they have to say take a day off work or or lay down for a bit which depending on what you consider a reaction you know can you feel it at all that's probably right. well, almost everyone and right but and you whatever. should be able to feel i mean that's with well, this vaccine maybe. that's I don't and, know. you know having a oh i'm going to have symptoms for a day or two and then it clears yeah, I don't find that to be a well. I mean, that's deal. generally not reported into VARES, so I'm taking wild guesses right. here. The things reported into VARES are uh, it, people like having to be either hospitalized or or generally seeing their doctor and being diagnosed with something they didn't have that they traced to it, and and that's uh, apparently that's like one in one in ten thousand, one in five thousand, something like that. So uh, really, in the grand scheme of things, um, not the worst thing in the world i mean your 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 statistics are still pretty good i I still am taking a bigger risk stepping off the curb in downtown seattle right well and i'm also wondering and they talked about this on no agenda yesterday how many of those people had covid before they then got the inoculation which there could be a reaction i don't know how they test that kind of stuff which is is how your body reacts if you've already had the virus recovered and then get one of these shots. I don't know how they would have tested that well before this. I, happened. I'm, I'm certain that we're never going to get good numbers because the statistics on all of this were so badly warped over the last year. I and, would say, I mean, just knowing how viruses normally work and nobody's proven anything beyond this yet would be if you've had COVID and you were sick and you tested positive. I mean, there's a difference. We know. People can test positive and have zero symptoms because the tests are horribly, horribly inaccurate because it's not a test. Right. It's a guess. It's it's your very best guess. But if you do believe you've had covid and you had the high fever and you went through your days where you knew you were really sick, I don't think I would get the vaccine if I had covid already. I, at least not well, no, this that's, year. That's, it would be unnecessary. Right. Well, how right. viruses are. Yeah, and viruses are supposed to work. The, the, like. I don't know. It, uh, we've got Dr. Fauci out here telling you that your immune system is is useless and humanity only got by the last 6000 years out of total fluke because yes. somehow, you know, we've never had an immune system and, and viruses have always killed everybody that has looked at them. And that's why we all need to be scared today. I don't know. But um, I, 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 yeah, you know, I was I was telling this to Sir Seat Sitter the other day uh, on what. You know, back in our day when we were kids, how did you build your immune system? You played go in the play dirt. outside, right? Yeah, that's it. I, I mean, that. What, what do people do now? We put them in a bubble. We put healthy kids in a bubble from early years. We make sure that everything is purely sanitized. Of course, they're not going to develop an immune system. The younger generations might actually be screwed by this. But I look out and I'm like, I've suffered a lot worse than this. I I was of the generation where my parents went out. And as, as soon as one of the neighborhood kids got chicken pox, they'd all everybody had send their kids over to that person's house to play with them just to make sure that we got it, too. Right. So had Didn't we have great time. parents? Yes. Well, they knew that the disease wasn't going to kill you. It was, well, get it and get over it. And then everybody moves sure on. itched like a mofo, though. Yeah, well, that's true. But the concept with the Biden press conference, he came out and said, oh, yeah, we're doing great with covid, blah, blah, blah. Not one question in that hour about covid 
from the journalist. Put that in air quotes uh, for me at all. They didn't have any journalists in there. They filled uh, the room with sycophants. Uh huh. Yamish got question number two. I mean, <laughs> that says it all right well, there. I, I, I've seen plenty of memes of the the you know couple of shots behind the podium where one of Biden's notes was a big page containing the faces of yes. all the reporters in the room and red circles around the ones that were friendly enough that he should call on them. And to know, remember their names. I mean, this is not a good sign. This is not a good no. sign. I mean, I know well, the some guy's people, not all there. Well, right. I know some people are horrible when it comes to names and faces and it takes I, me I'm pretty a little, bad at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it takes me a little while, although I'm quite amazed that how much you can actually recall even from just dealing with people like the trolls in the troll room who you you don't see them. So all you have is a name to attach to anything they say and to recall that. And it's interesting how some people just have like no recollection. You hear from people all the time, like, well, I'm bad with faces. I don't remember names or whatnot. I mean, I think it's a skill that you could be taught to remember. And I think Joe Biden being that he's been a politician for like 50 years. He had that skill at one point. Uh, yeah, he did at one point. He he had to. He, I, you know, he, you don't get to be a politician for almost half a century without being charismatic and being able to talk the talk. He did that. He just doesn't have it anymore. And it seems it's, like he doesn't know what's going on. He denied that there was a problem at the border. He's like, yeah, this happens every, you know, when it's cold because then they don't die because, you know, man, they're walking. So that's when they come. It's always worse. But compared to last year, it's up like 170 percent or something crazy like that. So it's definitely an increase. He didn't seem to know that was the case. He said that he was unifying the country. I don't know how he thinks he's unifying the country. If you look at the Rasmussen poll. Right. He is. That's and I don't know if he understands that because the Rasmussen poll yesterday for job approval on a president, they do this daily and they're a fairly accurate non-bias as much as you can be in polling yeah, as, as much as is possible today i believe that yes and their approval rating on biden yesterday 47 percent approved 51 percent disapproved so tell me where he's uniting anybody <laughs> well obviously he he has much higher approval than than the wall street journal poll from uh, of trump i think they're or telling the, joe know, everything's great people love you joe just sit in the basement and when you look at the schedule of what the guy's been doing on a daily basis, it's next to nothing. It's scary. And, well, he's, he, he needs his rest. And it's, <laughs> it's hard not day. to pity the. It's hard not to pity the poor man. Whenever yeah. I but whenever I start to pity the poor man, I try to remember just what he's done in his 40 plus years in Congress and how much he's fucked over the country and his other cronies. And then I don't pity him anymore, but he's a very pitiable man right now. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's be angry at the people that put him there because they knew yes, the condition he was in, which, which includes every one of my fucking neighbors. <laughs> they, I mean, how would you not have picked up on this during the election? I mean, they hated uh, Trump so much. I'll give you a hint and it's three letters. M five M. Yeah. Mainstream is, media. They, they, they hit all that. Except the mainstream media now is seeing such a decline in ratings that this is now, I think, a game between the mainstream media outlets. It really is a game of chicken because one of them 
is going to have to be the one that starts the story that brings down Biden. And that starts telling the truth for once. And none of them want to be that. Well, it's not even that they want to tell the truth. The reality is the Democrats are eventually going to tell them, well, yeah, we're going to have to replace Joe. So you can't just put Kamala in and not explain where Joe went. Well, I mean, I, if you come up with the right spin, you can. They they just have to come up with an incident and a cover story they have to kill that him. that revive. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's what happens. And maybe maybe they just twenty fifth amendment him. And maybe they get through to him in a moment of lucidity and be like, Joe, you're falling upstairs right now. You're you're not all there. Step down. Let Kamala take over. She was never elected, but, uh, you know, we managed to slide her into a position where she could become the president without getting more than a handful of votes. Yeah, and less uh, than 2% it's her turn of Democrat votes in the primaries. Yeah. I mean, that's unifying the country right and, there. And, you know, if I, the way I I don't think they're going to 25th Amendment him because as much as it doesn't take much searching at all to reveal just how incredibly hypocritical Congress has been over the last four years. Um, It it is a new level entirely. If you 25th amendment, this president after talking about doing it to the previous one over and over again. So I see, I'm still not convinced Biden's going to give the state of the union in 2022. Um, I, I think that he'll be gone by then, but I don't know whether it's going to be, whether, you know, it, they're just going to stone cold assassinate him or they're going to convince him to go up and give a moving speech about how he's not feeling the man he used to and needs to step down. And here's all these people who are self-appointed elites who are going to take over your world instead. I think that it would be very hard for anything but a massive event. Which they could also fake. They can manufacture fair. one of those. Yeah. Could be a heart attack. Another. I mean, he's had strokes already with the aneurysms he's had. He could have a private meeting with Hillary in a back alley somewhere. <laughs> you never. That's one thing you learn as a politician. When Hillary says, hey, let's meet just you and me. No, don't do it. Don't do it. That never ends well. Ask Vince Foster, allegedly. Um, but it's it's sad to see the state he's in. The media knows they help put him there. So any story at this point moving forward, it has to be something from the media aspect anyway, that looks like, oh, this is new. We can't say, well, we knew when you idiots elected him that he wasn't going to make it more than six months. Then you have to admit the lie and they'll never do that. I, you know, if they can come up with a way to spin it so that it wasn't a lie, that is exactly how it's going to happen. You know, okay. They still want us to believe that 80 million people voted for this fucking zombie. Well, he got 80 million votes. I think that is probably true. It's just that's what they want us to believe where the votes came (laughs) from when they were mailed. You're right. right. There is there is a big distinction between 80 million votes and 80 million people voted for him because the latter did not fucking happen. I agree. Yeah, I don't believe there's any chance in hell. The fact that remains is Donald Trump got more votes for reelection than he did when he was originally elected. And that is an interesting stat to look at. I don't believe in American history. Again, you're the math guy, but I don't think statistically this has ever yeah, happened. But I'm not a history guy that takes research. That's true. I don't think it's ever happened, though, where a sitting president 
got more votes when he was going for re-election and didn't win re-election ever. So, I mean, I, I understand anything can happen, but when there's a whole bunch of you go down the list and go, wow, this has never happened. This has never happened. Well, wow, yeah. this is interesting. Uh, anything can happen is pretty much the 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 star that uh, the entire Democrat half of the country has been hanging all their hopes and dreams on as well. It's mathematically possible. Yeah, but statistically, this only happens one in a, a hundred billion universes. And and I don't believe this is it. And they only focus the cheating this time around. It would appear if you believe there was. And I do. They weren't cheating. They were all mistakes and glitches and errors. Oh, and never mind that every single one of them went Biden's way. The fact that the Republicans, we mentioned this already, but the fact that they picked up seats in the House and would have done fine in the Senate, if not for Georgia and the runoff there, they would have actually picked up people in the house and senate and that doesn't make sense either because usually if people are pissed with the republican president and are going out to vote him out you usually don't vote for the democrat president and then the republican senators or house members and vice versa you don't usually vote for the democrat and then vote for the republicans it's because uh, apparently we're also expected to believe that uh all of these democrats are uh, single person voters where, you know, uh, of the 80 million people, all of the, the uh, alleged people voted only for Biden and didn't bother to vote for a single other race down ballot, which either they were, of them. you know, it was either that the amount of ballots that were being filled out at one point was just too hard to fill all those out. For- Biden got millions of more votes than every other Democrat combined. It is weird, isn't That's- it? Yeah, that somebody would go in and this would have been the perfect time if this wasn't actual cheating, which I think it probably was. I think it was. This would have been the best time if you were a Democrat candidate going, hey, you're going in to vote for Biden. Make sure you click the little thing for senator or house. You know, there were there were a ton of Democrats on the ballot going. I got this shit on lockdown. We are going, you know, everybody is going to come out that hates Trump. They are all going to come out and vote against Trump. And once they do that, they're just going to put D's all the way down the ballot. And a lot of them got to be shaking their heads going, well, how come you didn't turn any of that cheating my way? You know, I've never seen it because I'm not old enough, but I do believe that at one point that was allowed to just have one thing to click on the ballot or one thing to punch for straight Republican or straight Democrat. And I don't think that exists anywhere anymore, which is good, I think, because then uh, we maybe would have had a a little bit of a different result in this particular election. In California, we talked about the fact they don't even put the party that people are representing anymore. So voting's gotten weird. Voting uh, voting is weird. Okay, so Sir Seat Sitter in the troll room is pointing out that only two days ago, uh, I did mention to him that we were not really covering politics, just tech on uh, this. He, he's saying he's threatening to call Snopes, which is a, a great way to get fake news. So go yeah. for that. Um, I think that you will agree with me that Sir Seat Sitter is being in, a jerk here. Um, I would boot him. I would just kick yeah, him right out yeah. of the room and be like, dude, go to your own show. I, I, I did think about the, that very point, though. I'm like, we should be doing a tech story um about 10 minutes ago and then went no i'm gonna keep going because (laughs) i had a very very frustrating 
experience trying to research tech stories this morning. And it, it started with, um, I decided to dig in on the coalition for content provenance and authenticity. Now we've, we've mentioned this before. It's, uh, Adobe Arm, BBC, Intel, Microsoft, and TruePick, whoever the hell that is. Um, coming together to uh quote work together to develop content provenance specifications for common asset types uh, uh common asset types and formats to enable publishers creators and consumers to trace the origin and evolution of a piece of media including images videos audio and documents that was a lot of words i don't know if it made any sense to you uh but i i made a terrible error and and blew all of my research time trying to find tech stories because i started here and i just kept clicking more and more links going the next one is going to actually explain in real words what the hell they're doing <laughs> or how? the next one's going to explain this no there's got to be there's got to be something and let me tell you um these silicon valley companies um no no they are all press release and no content um i uh Whoa. Oh, sorry. I, oh, for sorry, a minute, I but, thought your head was gone. I just heard silence. Uh, the, the silence was because I uh, was coughing up a hairball. I would say you swallowed a cat. So pretty, pretty yeah, close to something that. Something like um, the previous. Let's see. I clicked in the previous iteration of this was uh, Project Origin, uh, which was BBC, Canadian broadcast company, Microsoft and New York Times. There's a winning combo right there. Yeah. The, the, uh, the trustworthy punch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who were coming up with a standard for digital signing and hashing links in, to news stories. Uh, they want to provide verifiable tracing back of media content to the publisher. Um, what they're proposing is cryptographic validation of content and, uh, you know, quote, tamper proof and secured by a distributed ledger technology. So apparently there's blockchain in this somewhere. Um, they are creating a standard, but. I dug through everything they've ever done. And so far, all they've created is a website. Um, so, uh, you know, the, <laughs> I, what, what I came across here when, and, and I, I might go down or you, you might get bored with this. I, it, it's, it, there's a bunch of technologies that I ran across and so many buzzwords, but what I came up with was the Microsoft press release formula, which is this, you state a problem. You spend three paragraphs explaining that it's a very bad and that you should care about it. Right. Uh, then you spend another two paragraphs explaining that it must be solved and that Microsoft is in a perfect position to solve it. And then finally, at the very end, you announce a, a snappy named vaporware initiative <laughs> that proposes to try to solve it. And then you never hear anything else about it. Um, they had uh, in 2018 after after you know that Russia meddled in the elections. What's right. the proof that Russia meddled? The proof that Russia meddled was that Republicans gained House seats. Um, and if Republicans got any votes at all, obviously it was Russia meddling. Um, so Microsoft announced the Defending Democracy program, which, uh, by the way, clearly didn't work. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> this last election cycle proves. Uh, although, uh, to be fair, the mail-in ballots weren't digital so you can't blame microsoft yeah. on that one well they they i mean the, the other thing is of course they weren't trying to defend from they were trying to defend against russians and against trumpists they weren't trying to defend against democrats so again maybe it did work 
True. Um, true. The, the goals of the defending democracy program from 2018, protect campaigns from hacking, increase political advertising transparency online and defend against disinformation campaigns. Ooh. How's that going? Yeah. Disinformation. <laughs> well, that's part of why all of this new initiative is coming up. And we've discussed this a little bit before, I think that just looking at something simple like a JPEG, how you can verify that this came from one place is impossible unless that place signs it. So that I will and, agree with. And that's what the, the C2PA coalition for content, providence and authority is all about. And, and its predecessor, uh, the, the 2017 content authenticity initiative, another great buzzword. Uh, it was all about, we talked about the content authenticity initiative. It was mainly Adobe. And that's what all of this is, is, you know, I, I finally managed to find a little bit of technology once I clicked into a couple white papers and, and enabled JavaScript because I can't just fucking download a PDF. They want a, an online PDF viewer. That's the only link they'll get. Okay. You know, whatever. Um, uh, apparently what they're coming up with is, uh, if you are creating news and by the way, you, you have to be of a, uh, a certain set because this is this is licensed software they're not giving out to the public they're only giving to certain reputable organizations that have trust uh like the new york times they you no um <laughs> but if you happen to be one of these specially anointed organizations you can digitally sign your news story and then that digital signature is checked and verified so that they can prove that it wasn't modified in transit by anyone and that the source is authentic. How is it verified and proven? A browser plugin. Oh, well, of course you have to add a plugin. I mean, sure. Well, you know, I, I get Which, it. They're going to put a hash on the content. And the reality is then this is really going to screw with any article. Not that they ever go back. And make corrections, even if you know, they miss some punctuation, making any change then screws the hash. And if it's still on the company's website, so in this case, again, if it is just the New York Times, well, you can go and see if it's still on the New York Times website. I don't know how people are getting content delivered that they're like, oh, we want to make sure that the stuff coming to you, how that says it's from the New York Times is actually from the New York Times. And I think people just go read on the New York times. Well, I think, I think we talked about before, but who this is really going to screw is content aggregators, right? Because if the, if the thing doesn't come from NYT.com or NY times or whatever, I don't even know the URL. I don't care. Um, if it doesn't come from their website, then you're not going to pass the correct hash. And anybody who, who re who aggregates or reposts stories is going to be completely screwed because your your browser plugin is going to say, well, this came from these people over here, and therefore, uh, you know, we can't. This isn't authentic, and you shouldn't believe it. It, I mean, it. I I don't know what this is. Obviously, if it's just a browser plugin, then you know, or you you have the option of not installing the plugin, and then you're good. But at some point, Google, if if they get Google on board, which uh, it it's Microsoft, so maybe maybe not, but. 
suppose they get Google on board and it becomes a part of Chrome. Now everybody's browser has this and it becomes the little lock icon next to the URL that says, uh, you know, this story came from a trusted source and uh, the New York Times. And therefore, you can believe everything about it. And this story over here came from Breitbart. And we know that they're far right wing extremists who can't be believed at all and therefore ignore it. And this one came from Epoch Times. And therefore, we're actually going to show you a blank screen that says this content is not trusted and you can't see it. Right. Because they're fake news. I think this is way more being aimed at videos and photographs in order to try to show the provenance of the image, which, yeah, there's you, the you ability. Have a good point there. One of the other one of the one of the problems that they identified for four paragraphs was deep fakes. Yes. And how how they're terrible and how especially you know, not just deep fakes, which have their own problems. You've discussed it here and on random thoughts. I think you did a really good job there. But also, if it's not the original image for copyright purposes, for the purpose of, well, it wasn't the one that the New York Times photo- photographer took. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing because you're then going to believe that this technology is going to be so secure that people that want to won't be able to go in and just fake whatever this is like this is going to be so secure that they can't go in create an image or a video and sign it and make it look like it was legit that's where i have a really big disconnect with this because we know right now you can have metadata in images and videos and you can go easily edit that i would understand they're trying to lock that down a little bit but as we've seen with everything they try to lock down in a digital file, there's always going to be somebody that figures out usually within days how to go in and adjust that, which would then make it look like they created, you know, somebody else created the video or, I mean, I know they were going after memes in the EU and in other places. So this could be a thing like, well, we want to see who created that meme. If, if your image is on the blockchain and, and says, you know, you can't, you're, you're not allowed to view it if it's ever been modified, then, um, yeah, yeah you killed memes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the EU was trying to go after everybody for copyright infringement with the memes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they they do that. But but as we've already seen, they have apparently two, you know, two people and a goat trying to enforce the GDPR <laughs> right now. So I, I, I that goat is overworked is all I'm saying. Um, may, maybe the EU doesn't have as much teeth as everybody wanted them to back in 2018. Yeah. And the deep fakes, I still don't believe the technology is anywhere near or will ever be there to be able to detect a deep fake image. Uh, uh, Microsoft does disagrees with you, by the way. Oh, I know. Well, I think this is why they're doing this. This is why they're trying to bake something in to the file, because as it sits, when you take an image file, whether it's JPEG or TIFF or GIF or GIF, however you want to say it, then it was modified. Spliff. Spliff. Yeah, there's nothing. You can have a lot of spliffs while you're trying to figure out which photograph was modified and which one was not. They think like, oh, well, yeah, sure. The computer will be able to figure it out. No, it's just pixels. And was the technology continues getting better to create the deep fakes. I don't believe there's any glaring way to find out. Now, if you have the original photograph, that would go a long way towards figuring out it's a deep fake, but that is a rarity. Although that just makes sense well, why I, they want to you know, index everything. 
I mean, obviously, uh, the the fix for all of this is you throw more AI at it. And, you know, how, how does it work with deepfakes? Well, early on, you used to be able to just go into Photoshop or, or, or MS Paint and use the lasso tool and grab somebody's head and crudely slap it on to uh, an, any other image. And people would believe it because they'd never seen that before. Right. Nowadays, it's a little tougher. People look at this and like, well, I can see where you cut and paste. And if you're even if you're super careful and you blend the edges and everything, then you can check and be like, well, um, the sun is over on the left, but the shadow on his face is going the other direction. OK, you know, there people are getting more savvy to detect this but at the same time people are are, are developing better techniques for right. making photos fake in, in that case there is a constant tension between the people who want to give you fake photos and the people who want to detect fake photos in an arms race of technology adobe is and, both of those companies uh, yeah, right adobe there. really is <laughs> um and uh, it, it, Microsoft did release a product. Uh, y- you'll like this one. Microsoft Video Authenticator, Ooh. another snappy named piece of software. Does it authenticate video? That's what they claim. Well, that, uh, I'm, I'm a little well surprised. Named, it should have been. It should have been like Microsoft Video Authenticator 3.11 for Workgroups Enterprise 2017. You know, I don't know. Mike, That's the parenthetical title. Yeah, video authenticator is a very short name for Microsoft, but I might be making fun of them because because I worked on several products that had really cool internal names like Longhorn and then ended up having really awful full product names. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> the video authenticator uh, will it analyzes still photos looking for deep fakes. Uh, they trained it on the. Face Forensics Plus Plus data set. I'm not familiar with this one, but they tested it on uh, Facebook released a deep fake detection challenge uh, about a year ago where they they wanted people to detect, you know, because Facebook has a real thing about making sure they, they, they want to control what's on their site. And that includes knowing whether a photo of somebody is is of somebody or or, or someone's trying to pull it over on them. I don't know. Um, but they had a deep fake detection challenge. They already paid out the winner who had like 82% ch- uh, chance of, of detecting deep fakes, but Microsoft says that they can get that higher. So they have created this video authenticator, which is uh, just the word trained tells you it's, it's AI based, it's machine learning based, and they threw it in a data set and they are very, very good at detecting that data set. I don't know if it's good at detecting other ones, but they say it is. Um, but here's the part that that's the best about it is, uh, you know, it, it, upon hearing about this, what's the first thing that you want to do being a technical dude named Ben? Well, you want to test it. I mean, that would be the main yeah. thing you want to do. You want to try it out. Yeah. Get, give it a couple photos then and see how it does. Well, you don't get to do that. Um, well, that's the, no fun. I wanted Microsoft, to test and see how good I can fake a photo. The Microsoft Video Authenticator is available exclusively to, uh, quote, the AI Foundation and as part of their initiative, another great title, the Reality Defender 2020 Initiative. <laughs> the Reality um, Defender. The, well, then you have to get rid of the mainstream media. They Well, the AI Foundation is apparently I, I, I dug into there and I'm not exactly sure what the hell they do because I was running out of time going through all of these press releases and trying to crank my eyes back from where they were rolled up in my head um 
the AI foundation has this quote on the front of their page. It says by making it possible for everyone to have their own AI, we're putting control back in the hands of individuals and unlocking the limits of humanity, but they're not going to give you access to the Microsoft video authenticator. So maybe not. Well, because Um, then people could go in and they could reverse engineer and then they'd be better at faking it. It's, it's a machine learning cluster. You, you don't have enough computers in your house. Uh, well, somebody, somebody probably does yeah, somebody, so somebody listening does <laughs> i we we probably got people in the troll room who do so get on that by the way um but the reality defender 2020 was a a group of people that microsoft got together with uh in order to defend uh and prevent fake news online and make sure that the only news you get is real information. So who are you going to get in a group called Reality Defender 2020? Well, obviously course, you can't WAPO. have the plebs in it. Right. You got WAPO, New York Times, probably CNN, those kind of organizations. Those kind of organizations. Here is who is part of Reality Defender 2020 and who has access to Microsoft's deep fake detector. Uh candidates press campaigns parties social media platforms but not you damn i want it i want it (laughs) i want it i want it more importantly um all of the people i just named those are the ones generating fake news that i want to be able to automatically detect yeah i mean well i I, I want, you know what I want to do? I want to get my hands on, on an API for the video authenticator and I want to start feeding it images from CNN, from New York Times, images put out by press, uh, uh you know, political campaigns. I want to start like build a site that grabs a news aggregator out there and feeds everything that's given into this video authenticator and then spits out the percentage probability that it's bullshit. Actually, I don't even need the Microsoft video authenticator for that, because if I start with New York Times and political campaigns, then I already know what it is. But but it would be interesting to have like the technological backing for knowing that it's bullshit. Yeah, that's not even a problem at this point. The problem is that politicians lie through their teeth and there is a media that's complicit. With and the what media lies doing. through their teeth and the campaigns lie through their teeth and the social media platforms lie through their teeth. And these are the only ones allowed to have tools that can detect lying. Yeah. Well, and because they can't really detect lying, it's detecting. If well, something Microsoft was, says they can. Well, Microsoft <laughs> lies. How you doing? <laughs> That's that goes full circle with that. Funny their detector didn't tell me that. Yeah, they should run that their uh, press release through their detector and see no what shit. it comes up with. Because I mean, it's an interesting concept because we are living in a digital world, no question there. But the ability to have complete control of that, like a lot of things, the barn doors open, the animals have already run out. Forget trying to put everything back where it was. You cannot go back unless you're coming out with whole new standards for image files and video files that somehow allows you to lock them down. I mean, if you're just, again, throwing metadata or something into them, that can all be changed. There's nothing that can't be adjusted along the way. I remember one time. When when I was early on in, in Windows Vista, uh, one of the features I was working on was uh, DVD audio. And uh, it was it, it, it was during the brief window of time before they gave up where they were pushing as hard as they could to make DVD audio replace the compact disc. And right. I, I remember asking 
my manager at one point was like, um, this isn't, you know, what, what, okay. What are the benefits of DVD audio? Well, there's obviously there's capacity. Okay. So you can fit more than 73 minutes or whatever it is on a single disc that, that, that could be a benefit, but a lot of people, it's just album length and they're fine with that. So let's suppose you got a normal album. It's a little over an hour. Why would you go to DVD audio and uh, like, okay, well it, it, you know, it allows more capacity. Uh, it allows you to uh, a CD audio is a uh, red book is always 44 one. And you might want 48K and DVD audio allows 48K. Uh, that might even matter to some people. That vast majority of listeners aren't going to give a crap. Uh, what else does it give? Like, well, we can, you know, we can use uh, uh, chapters because uh, DVD has chapters. And like, well, CDs have tracks. Uh, yeah, but you can break it down to subtracts. But who cares? Who wants that for an album? Uh, and I, we were going down the list, and, and I, I because I had to test all these features, and they're like, "Well, better navigation." The, the only navigation most people want to do with a CD is put the freaking CD in, and an hour later you're done listening. But okay, whatever. Okay, so what did we come up with? Was the real reason why were all of these Microsoft partners pushing DVD audio so hard? Locked down because it's encrypted. Yeah, locked down. That's it. That that's it. And where did DVD audio go exactly? Nowhere to the deep yeah. dustbin of society you know, of the world. That's uh, it's. I mean, nowadays we're you know distributing things in unencrypted MP3s. Well, uh, for the people who are allowed to download MP3s, the vast majority of distribution is all streaming now. Yeah, there's plenty of places to get FLAC files in. You could said bit rates of 48, 96, even higher. The high res stuff is out there. I mean, they're huge. I was just downloading a uh, Frank Zappa album in high res, and it was like <laughs> five gig because, you know, this is what happens when the files get really, really large. And you're right. A vast majority of people don't care. They want it in MP3 so they can fit as much as they can on whatever device they're storing it on. Where there's other crazy people like me that go, like, I want the highest quality, no matter what. And uh, I really should go I mean, back. If, if, if a sample rate of 44.1 is good enough, uh, CDs are encoded in, in uncompressed PCM. That's the highest quality you're going to get with a 44.1 sample rate. Right. Oh, it's and it, CDs sound really good. I haven't done it in a while to see if I can tell the difference in the same audio file at different uh, bit rates and you know the high res uncompressed compared to the mp3s you know as you get older your hearing starts going but usually i've been pretty good at being able to yeah notice the difference I, every time i walk by a tv where the m5m is playing i'm like could the hearing go a little faster please <laughs> but yeah they want it locked down which is a big part of what this thing is that they want to do because they want to be able to say Oh, this video you're seeing right here of Joe Biden, that was verified that that was Joe Biden. Now, of course, they're going to start deep faking yeah. Joe Biden and they're going to still tell you it's real. But yeah, I worry. was going to say that there there I think one of the reasons why this technology is not going to be made available to all of us is because it, using deep fakes and and clever lies to try to mislead us is now becoming the domain of the people who are trying to tell us that they only want truth for us. Um, when, when you get uh, CNN taking images of a bombing range in Kentucky and right. telling us it's the Middle East. 
Uh, you do deep fake analysis on that or what if we had technology that instantly told us that was bullshit, CNN would never want it out. That's true. And that wasn't even a deep fake. That was just we're saying one no, thing is something just else. Image. Right. Yeah. And that was pe- just lying. Right. That was straight out. Oh, wait. No, I don't understand how that happened. We were confused. They're just like they uh, was it NBC. Somebody just put out a photograph allegedly of Miami Beach. And then they found out it was from two years ago with the whole. Hey, see, people aren't paying attention to the coronavirus things we got going on, masking and social distancing. Yeah. I mean, by real. now, by now, they've got enough uh, enough stock shaky cam film of people shooting at things, whether it came out of Hollywood or somewhere else, that they could publicize a, a mass shooting event every uh, once an hour. And they've got footage. They could just say, oh, and as long as we are all denied the tools that we need to find out that they're lying, they can just say that it's all true. And if, if at ever it, it, you know, it, it leaks out that, oh, well, this wasn't actually right and we can prove it, then, oh, I'm sorry. It was a mistake. It was a glitch. It was an error. Don't, don't call us bad just because we made an honest mistake and we do it every single day. Well, this is all about tracking people. A lot of people that listen to Grumpy Old Ben's know, but it's worth repeating that every printer sold is printing a little watermark that you really can't see. But if it came down to it, if you printed something on a piece of paper, you know, like threatening the president and send it in and you printed it from home, you will get a knock on your door because that printer told it on that piece of paper exactly which printer it was bottle number serial number where it was at you know i probably ip address there's still something to be said for for cutting and pasting letters out of the newspaper yes that's a lot safer but i think this is the digital equivalent of that and it's because they want to be able to censor people more that if you put out a video and this is the goal i think which is if you're using A creator tool put out by Adobe or whoever. They're not the only ones involved in this, obviously. But if I want to do a YouTube video or whatever, and I do a video and I record it and produce it through Adobe Premiere, that they're going to add a tag that says, well, this was created by this account, this person, whatever information they want to bake in. So forget being anonymous. I mean, and there are some cases where you, this is the slippery slope of, well, you know, if somebody's making, you know, deep fakes of your wife or daughter, well, then we want them to get caught that. Uh, oh, what? You know, but if they're actually trying to be a journalist and get information out of an area where they will be killed for getting that out, then, you know, it's maybe not so good. This concept that everything we do and I don't know where we're at because there was a time where there was talk of a serial number from your PC's CPU, I think it was, that was going to be baked into everything you do. So anything... It's it's not being baked in, but that serial number does exist on every Intel CPU. So now if this starts getting added to every email you send, every photo you take, everything you post (laughs) to the internet, this is, I think, the end goal on all of this, which is in the guise of, well, you know, just to verify, just to keep people safe for the children, won't you think of it? I I mean, the the one advantage that we have, if, if we're in a position where we don't want this to happen, the one advantage that we have is, is that there is a necessary condition where they're going to have to ban all 
open source software. And uh, if you're Apple and you're talking about iOS, then maybe you got a pretty good chance of doing that. If you are, uh, you know, Amazon and talking about the Kindle, you can ban all third party software. But uh, the the general computing platforms like the one I'm sitting in front of, like uh, like any any real Linux box out there, um, if if I can go out and make my own software, then I can make software that doesn't and force this regime of of trustworthiness and as long as some software can exist then then your initiative is is not going to bring about the you know new age of trustworthiness that they want well it's a question then if you'll ever be able to post any of that it'll be a question of you know okay you're on social media whatever social media site that may be and they're all toxic at this point but you're trying to post a photo and it doesn't have that number that doesn't have that identifier. It's going to go. No, no, we, we can't post that. Sorry. You can't. Well, I mean, I, I could, I can post on, I, I, there are plenty of things that don't have any kind of digital certificates that if I post them to Facebook, then I'll get banned, which would really, really confuse me. Cause I wouldn't, I'd be like, how did I get banned when I don't have an account? But um, there's already, I mean, there, most social networks, there's plenty of things that, that you can't pose. I mean, they limit it to, you'll get punished if you try. They haven't quite managed to get the, the, the Republican filter in before you can even post, but there's a pretty good network of Karens out there that anytime you put in a meme that put, casts any doubt on Anthony Fauci, then you'll get reported and killed immediately. Um, that that already exists, but uh, again, the loophole is uh, no agenda. Social isn't going to be participating in this. Uh, my uh, you know, Bemrose dot social or whatever I've got isn't going to be participating. Grumpy old Ben's dot social isn't going to be preventing you from posting things. Um, the the solution this around might all at of the ISP level, though. Well, then, then we're going to have to get the, the, in, in every case that somebody gets together and tries to lock it, the, the internet provided lessons early on. And that is that, uh, censorship is damaged to the network and must be routed around. Uh, it's more difficult to do at the ISP levels, especially when, when you have local municipalities enforcing monopolies, but come up with ways of, uh, you know, that might be encrypt the traffic to get it through the ISP. That might be go to another ISP. That might be uh, just to throw it all away and go live in the woods like a hermit. I don't know. Well, that might be the best way to go. But I, I'm, I'm on my way there. I'm telling you, well, that- the more I learn about the technology, the more I, I'm going to just go off and, and live my golden years without so much as electricity. You're going to climb up to the top of the mountain with a little uh, battery pack and a satellite dish so you could do grumpy old Ben's once or twice a week from your perch over uh, over in a big forest. Somewhere. Well, you were just saying last week that you have you have enough battery packs to run your phones for a month. <laughs> yeah. And uh, how long can you podcast on those? Uh, I don't know. I need to try because I do have a little uh, piece now that will let me plug my rig directly into the iphone and i know you can do clean feed over the iphone so i mean it's possible you could actually do all this just directly from a phone without even having a pc which would be interesting to try the technology is there 
the the last uh, Microsoft initiative that I had in my in my notes was uh, another one. This year again, you're gonna love this name, Election Guard. <laughs> we needed that like a year ago. <laughs> well, they they started it in 2018. They released it in 2019. So how come it didn't work? Um, or did the, it work? It well, it didn't work because uh, Microsoft was trying to horn in on what Dominion was doing. They were coming out with a Microsoft voting system. And and, and imagine being the salesperson selling this racket. Um, you sell the municipalities and, and uh, local precincts um, a system where they can vote directly on the screen of a Microsoft Surface or an Xbox adaptive controller. Um, when they vote. You can give people a tracking code that can be put into a website that Microsoft will author for you to confirm that your vote was counted and not altered. And I guess you just trust the website that they're confirming that. Um, they also, they won't show you the vote. They won't show you who it was counted for. They will just say, you give, you put this tracking code into a website and the website will say, well, of course your vote was counted and not altered. <laughs> I, I guess that's all that's the verification you get. Um, and then, uh, they have a feature. Let's see. I, I honestly couldn't make sense of this. So I copied the whole paragraph down. Maybe you can, um, third, the demo will show how election guard can enable end to end verifiable elections for the first time while retaining the familiarity and certainty of paper ballots. The demo will provide voters with a printed record of their votes, which they can check and place into a physical ballot box with verification through the web portal, serving as a supplemental layer of security and verifiability. So they've invented a printer and they're selling you a system that lets you vote the way everybody has for the last 60 years. Well, it sounds like what they want. Well, no, that would probably be wrong. But what they're saying they they could do would be to take care of one of the biggest problems we have with voting right now, which is you don't know which way your vote was counted because you dropped this thing. I, I still don't. Right. Because I know what I wrote down on the sheet of paper, but by the time it went through you for my ballot, it was mail in. And by the time it disappeared into the bureaucratic halls of somewhere, I have no idea what they put in. And if I was in a different state and was punching my thing in on a Dominion machine, then I can punch it in and it might say you voted for Donald Trump on there. And then somewhere in the reporting back end, it adds one up for Biden because who knows what this software is doing? And uh, not that I'm straight up accusing Dominion of rewriting votes, although I honestly believe that happened, but they could because they're in a position to do it because there's no verification that what I put down on the machine ultimately translates into what gets counted for president. Now, the interesting thing would be is if when voting, you were given a unique ID number code whatever and you could go back and view that ballot again now of course your name would not be on there which means it would all just be anonymous data the only person would know that would know that that ballot was attached to you is you if the computer printed out a thing when you voted and said you know here's your qr code that would take you directly to the page where you voted to see your ballot and then why not have it all be completely open where people could just browse through every ballot. You don't know where they came from, but you have access to now view 
every ballot that came in and everybody is responsible for themselves to be able to go back. And we like, well, I know which number I am, although they could give every there could just be two numbers, one for each candidate. And yeah. uh, that could be the big lie. But if this was done, honestly, you could then go back and look at your ballot and make sure that what you wanted to vote for was actually voted for. And if anybody else punched your ID in, who cares? They can see your ballot, but they don't know it's yours. The problem with voting isn't that people see what you voted for. That is eventually the data that's coming out of this anyway. That should be no problem with privacy. As long as that ID is never tied to you, Yeah, then that would be actually a good system. If if a third party can somehow verify that you voted for the right person, that that brings its way into uh, it opens up opportunities for co- coercion. Uh, if 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 you're in Chicago and you voted for the wrong union boss, then you're I oh, hope you enjoy true. your hospital stay. Right. Because you come uh, out if, with if, your ID number and you have to give them the ID number so they can prove you. have OK, yeah, that's. Okay, if, so that if system I'm, sucks. I've totally if I'm over, <laughs> You're welcome. And if I'm over here and any of my neighbors start doing scans of people in their neighborhood and they're like, holy shit, this is a dirty Republican. I'm going to have my yard filled with bottles of shit, <laughs> um, which might not be as bad as the Chicago method, but still it'd be annoying <laughs> to clean up. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's not an easy solution. I, I've seen. I, I've seen in, and I don't know if it solves uh, what, what you know, the problem I just described, but I, I've seen proposals for how would you do an election machine that allows, uh, a, a, you know, there, there's one of the first requirements that you want is you want to be able to tally and record them very early. And that's where software becomes very useful, but you might not trust software. So how do you, how do you learn to trust software? Well, the first thing that I think is an absolute fucking requirement before the election is the source code for the software needs to be published publicly, not just, Oh, we had a, a third party NDA uh, verify and look at it. And we gave them four hours to look through these 300,000 lines of code and they didn't see anything that was a problem. No, you need to put your source code for your voting machine out in public open source. Anybody can go out to GitHub without even logging in and read it or maybe not GitHub. That's Microsoft, but somewhere um, that I believe is absolutely a necessary condition. And that'll never happen because people like Smartmatic or Dominion or whatever the hell they're called now, um, they make money by owning the copyright on this stuff and, and want it to be closed source. Uh, but I think that if you're going to trust the software, that is an absolute minimum re- bar requirement. Um, I've, I've also seen proposals uh, like one proposal I particularly like was uh, it, it's a voting machine. This this precludes the, the remote voting or vote by mail, which I'm not sure is possible to secure. Um, but if you have a machine, you go through the machine, your little tablet interface, whatever you do, and you punch up the ballot the way you want it to. And then it produces those results three different ways um the first way is that it increments an integer count somewhere in the software which uh, at whatever at request or periodically will display that at a central counting machine either in the precinct office or send it up to the state capitol wherever uh for instant counting for very quick results um those tallies are are kept 
They're kept at the end of the day. You keep audit logs and stuff like that. Um, the second is that it prints a physical sheet of paper behind glass that you can look at. And in fact, when you say confirm, it prints a piece of paper. It pops up behind some glass. You look at it and it says, press here to say this ballot is yours and it works or press no to say this isn't what you voted. And if you say no, it shreds that immediately in front of you. And if you say yes, then it will slide it off into a box that contains all of the actual physical printouts. And that box is secure. And then the final thing it does is it takes a photo of that and sends it up, which is your middle level for which, which is probably good enough for recounts. You, you encrypt that photo, you give it, make it cryptographically secure, whatever, give it, give it a signature. Um, maybe you tie that to your voter idea just to make sure that the mob bosses can find you. Um, but then you, then you put I, it on an NFT and you sell it. Oh, I like that. Dude, dude, I, can it can it pay for my hospital stay in Chicago if I take my ballot and I sell it as an NFT? He's just gonna, we're just going to break your legs, you see? That's all. It's going to break. Be a good guy. Don't worry about it. It's Chicago. It's the Chicago now, way. And yes, everything I just described might actually be secure, but it's not going to be instituted into any system where the people running the system have uh, are are incentivized to make sure that things are not secure as long as the the culture of corruption and the incentives to make sure that your elections are fixed the right way uh are there they're going to resist the very idea or ability of having honest elections right and they won't, to they won't answer, say it that way to answer our buddy DE Metis who's currently under quarantine Due to a, a family member having the Rona, he says, uh, get software out of there. Just use paper. Why must machines be involved? Well, they need to be involved because if it's just paper, it's very easy to cheat. It's very easy yeah. to get rid of those ballots, replace them with something else. Now, the combination of having the paper to verify the digital actually makes a lot more sense because you get immediate responses. You have immediate yeah. data. And then you have something you can go back to and say, well, we know this is right, the paper. And if the paper doesn't match the digital, then, you know, the machines are lying. And and immediate responses are actually very important for a couple of reasons. One is that the 24-7 news cycle would demand nothing less than than the ability to know moment by moment exactly how the votes are going. But there's another reason why you want to be able to count very quickly and and we never had this ability 80 years ago before computers but we have the ability now and it's actually very valuable uh we learned this in states like uh wisconsin michigan georgia where the quote-unquote counting and in fact the number of ballots coming in paused for several hours way after the polls closed um in fact one of the things that I said on this very show, I think before the election was uh, because we were talking about the Pennsylvania changing the voting rules to allow people to continue voting for days after the election was uh, you're going to get corruption. You're going to get fraud. The only it, 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 another absolute necessary step is that no, no matter what what you consider balloting, no matter what you consider counting, you do not count. The first ballot until the last one 
has been received. And uh, all of these swing states where they went out and the the governor or secretary of state just went out on their own and illegally against the legislature's wishes, changed the voting rules, which was, you know, the first of many, many frauds that occurred during that election. One of the big ones was uh, that they started counting the moment the polls closed, but they kept accepting new ballots. Well, what happens when that happens? Well, you get three quarters of the way through the count and you're like, well, our guy is behind by 10,000 votes, uh, votes, votes. Yeah. Quick. Hey, let's Joey, Joey, no brains called. He needs another 10,000 votes. Yeah, exactly. Let's, you know, Hey, uh, d- does anybody happen to have any closets that they might be able to find another box of Biden ballots in? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. We forgot. We put those in there for safekeeping. They- and and I'm not I'm I'm not again not accusing anybody of having done that. Although I honestly believe it happened in lots and lots of places because frankly it always happens in every election that's over a certain size because corruption is a thing. But it becomes easy to do and very widespread if you just allow people to check the vote total partway through counting and go. I guess we need more ballots and then add them. No, the, you have to have. All of your ballot, every single ballot that is ever going to be counted must be in before you start counting. And if you if you have a machine that gives you instant results, that becomes a whole lot easier because you don't have a you you can get results by the next day and not three weeks later. And you can still cut people off at the end of balloting. Damn. DigiGuru says in Iran, they make you do a, a thumbprint on the ballot which maybe isn't a horrible idea i mean the well, privacy the, aspect goes to hell but uh well no the the best part about it is that they don't use ink instead there's just a little uh a little needle that you put in and you put your thumb on it and it stabs you in the thumb and then you put your thumbprint down well that way they have your dna too yeah it's genius yes again multiple factors <laughs> that's true now they have multiple ways to verify i guarantee you there's not a lot of voter fraud going on in Iran. <laughs> well, that depends on what you mean by voter fraud. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, when it comes down to the government just going, well, let's see. They voted 95% I mean, for the other there, people. Yeah. Nope. 95% incumbent. Done. No yes. voter fraud because we only define fraud as people who didn't vote for our guy. Right. That's that's <laughs> the only possible fraud that could possibly have happened. So we, I get it. There are a ton of problems. When you deal with this kind of stuff, I don't think Microsoft and Adobe and this cabal are going to be able to fix anything. But this is just like their press release. This is part of the system of like, no, no, this makes it look like we're doing something just like Biden's press conference. Let's make it look. Let's say we're doing things. And then people will believe that because people never follow up. The attention span is way too short and nobody will ever come back and question anything this is a uh, something that moving forward maybe one day they will be able to lock down videos and pictures but when they do that's an end to your privacy that's an end to anybody being able to create a piece of art in any way shape or form that won't be able to be tracked back to them and that can be a big problem 
So I don't know where yeah. it's going, but do it's and I, I don't like I, it. The, the, the only thing I got out of all of this is that uh, the, the Microsoft blog is uses a hell of a lot of word to say very little. And they're very, very good at announcing new product names. Well, somebody's getting paid for that and they're doing a good job. Yeah. One name that kept coming up over and over again was the uh, chief scientific officer at Microsoft, uh, a guy by the name of Eric Horvitz or Hor- Horwitz or H-O-R-V-I-T-Z. I'm going to call it Horvitz, um, who uh, I, I actually brought up a quote from him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he, he started uh, one of the blog posts with, quote, as I returned home from the World Economic Forum in Davos, right. I was pondering what can we do about these social problems? Not go to the World Economic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe, that may, be- maybe don't be a globalist piece of scum. Well, well, yes, this concept. And I think it is starting to turn with the you know, average What can person. we do? Build back better. Oh, right. Sorry. right yeah. And it's all the different countries saying the same thing. That shouldn't worry you at all. But the concept that you shouldn't worry about your own country first does not make sense. This is how things get done because the people in the UK, you know, if they're more worried about what's going on in Africa or China, well, then the UK is not going to get taken care of. There's something to be said for clean up your own house before you start doing anything else. And everybody's got a messy house right now. Every country has more than enough to deal with that. There should be nothing wrong. Trump took a lot of heat for being the guy that went out and said, well, I'm going to do things that make sure Americans are taken care of first and foremost, which is what we're yeah. seeing with this. Trump, Trump was a nationalist in, in an era where it was not fashionable to be nationalist on the international stage. Now, the UK is making it harder to migrate in. Go figure. This is why they got out of the EU. They were tired of the migrant population coming in changing their society, often bringing in less than desirable criminal sorts that they couldn't do anything about because open borders does not work. It does not work. So the EU, that's why the, uh, the UK yeah, got but, out. I mean, somebody got to Bojo during this COVID thing because well, he was uh, injected it, with some drugs. And- I, I don't know. I, I think he was injected with like a, some kind of mind controlling brain bug or something because uh, right now, they're not just shutting the borders to migrants. They're shutting the borders to UK citizens. They're shutting the borders to anybody who hasn't had a vaccine jab. They're shutting the borders to people who aren't, you know, coughing on a swab on command and getting an instant PCR test at 80 cycles. The, that's, you know, I don't know. It, the, the UK might be getting out of the EU, but they're, they're still kind of an authoritarian shithole. Well, yeah, but they're also realizing what having those open borders for the years they were in the EU did to their country. And this concept that, oh, let's be a part of the EU. We'll all take care of each other. No, that's not how it works. People always get screwed and we're back to there's nothing wrong with wanting to make sure the citizens of your country are taken care of politicians everywhere should learn from this if you're the mayor of my little town here you should be more worried about the people that live in your town than the next town over that's just the way it is or somewhere across the world or yeah you know they should just they should just learn to be more welcoming like the citizens of of texas new mexico and arizona are yeah they're loving what's coming in i didn't realize until it was covered on uh, Bill O'Reilly singing, I'll mention him because I know some people hate when I mention Bill O'Reilly. 
That's that, why I like when you mention it. So go on. <laughs> that I had no idea when you come into the United States illegally, if you say that you want asylum, which everybody does, because that's what you do. You're coming to the United States. You say you want asylum. They will give you eleven hundred dollars in cash and send you on your way. So not only are you letting migrants in, you're paying them. Yeah, they, they're, they, which is almost as much as what we're giving Americans to sit here, be scared and stay locked down. Yeah, but I had no idea that this was a part of this system, which was, oh, oh, you want asylum? And, Here's eleven hundred dollars. The, way, the, the best part about it is that if it, it's easy enough to get back into Mexico and then you just come across again. <laughs> right. With a different name, collect another eleven hundred. Oh, absolutely. It's a system you know, or, or, you know, if you want the, the extra bonus for bonus sympathy and probably bonus money for having a kid, then you just keep bringing different kids along. Well, that was uh, the one I mean, thing Biden said. They're, they're of, all just going to go into Biden's cages. I mean, uh, uh, overflow facilities, which they're way more crowded now than they ever were against Trump. Oh, and Biden more. was just a douchebag saying kids were dying. When it was under Trump, it's like, no, that's a lie. Biden uh, just well, a straight out. Of course, they're proof. more crowded. They opened the border. They said everybody who wants to come in legally or illegally, we're just pulling down the border wall. We're going to pave roads. Everyone come on in. That's what the Biden administration is saying. Of course, there's a lot more people. And then the people manning the border who don't have any further instructions other than what they've been given are like, well, um, they're illegal and we've been told to detain them. So I guess you get in the cage. And yeah, now what do we do? But what Biden said during this press conference was very clear. And I don't, again, this is where you start thinking he has a total disconnect with logic because this whole concept of illegally crossing the border, this is the most dangerous for who? For children. Because they're the ones that are most easily. Uh, I was going to say Americans, but I, I understand your point. The children coming in because the Mexican side of the border is controlled by the drug cartels. You don't just walk through Mexico unaccosted. There are people getting killed. There are people getting roughed up. There are people getting raped when they try to make this crossing. I mean, you make it sound like Chicago. <laughs> it could be. I mean, Chicago is just about there are certain parts of Chicago. The border, probably not all that different. But this is very dangerous for children and incentivizing them now the way Joe Biden did should be criminal because he said very clearly, anybody that comes across that border illegally, if you're under 18, we will never send you back. That was the dumbest thing to say for those yeah. kids. Yeah, I, I mean, you Something that Joe Biden did should be criminal. I, I I don't know about this specifically, but uh, here's a quick hint. It probably was most of what Joe Biden does is criminal, but because he's an elite, because he's a Democrat and because he's the president, who's going to call him on it? And then we have these elitist assholes like LeBron James who tell us how bad America is. Then why are all these people coming here? If it's so bad, why are they risking their lives? To get here. curiosity yeah sure that must be it that <laughs> must know. be it you know yeah, I, we got back on politics again didn't we <laughs> yeah well so sir c center could be happy he, he was needed yeah, a political fix bastard you know i See, did, this is why this is why i need a new microphone so you could yell louder 
No, so, so that we can talk about tech more often. Oh, that's I true. mean, I would get at least one show talking about the microphone. You know, I did have a tech story, though, today that was oh, very, I like those. That was very important. Um, Christy Teigen has deleted her Twitter account. That is sending ripples. What's down. the important part? <laughs> this uh, I don't like Christy Teigen or her uh, husband, John Legend, but I do believe this is a good sign because she is as lefty as loony as they come and even though she had 13.7 million followers on twitter so just let that sink into your brain the fact that she and she seems like a pretty vapid person the fact that even she realized that spending time on twitter was bringing just negative into her life rather than positive makes me Uh, feel good uh, it's it's a brilliant flash of insight that i think that more people need to have <laughs> yeah but, uh, if i may uh who the hell is christy tegan and why do i care again she get john legend's wife she's okay, is a that model it? i mean a model oh okay she's not a very attractive model no see oh. i've never understood the christy T- this is full producer mode of course we don't want to offend any of the uh, the women in the audience. Speak for yourself. Have never found Christy Teigen, Chrissy Teigen, to even be remotely attractive. But I mean, okay. your mileage may vary. But she had so a what, huge following. She was big into the social media. She's one of these of the woke culture. No question uh, there. Did, w- would you use the word influencer? Yeah, I would. Yes, that would be okay. That would well, be a that, good that, word. Okay. Then enough said. I understand now. I mean, she actually she wrote a cookbook. So I mean, so she's very important. When, uh, <laughs> yeah, model. even Dvorak wrote a cookbook. <laughs> wow, taking shots at JCD, comparing oh. him to Chrissy Teigen. He's never going to come on the show if you're here. So um, what you're telling me, it sounds like what you're telling me is that the root problem with Twitter is that not everybody gets to fuck Chrissy Teigen. I, see, I wouldn't even want to be on that list. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of guys that would, and. My only takeaway from this was this is the first really big celebrity that was fully into all of the woke leftist crazy stuff, political when Trump was around blasting him. This is the first that I've seen say, I'm leaving Twitter because it's toxic. And if people that are in that position can realize that, and I don't think she's the brightest of all people, if she can realize that, then there's hope for the rest of humanity that maybe they will also realize that spending hours caring what people say on Twitter or any social media site really is important to your life. Hope for humanity. As you know, I'm a perennial optimist and I have hope for everything and humanity just might get out of this eventually Um, for celebrities. I I don't know. I I feel like the amount of self-awareness that it requires to realize that something you're participating in is toxic is is mutually exclusive with having a career in an industry where everything is toxic. Hollywood modeling. I, I mean, is there any anything about that career that doesn't destroy your soul? Probably not for a vast majority of people. That's uh, just part of the business. And which is also, I think, why Hollywood is collapsing. The news media is collapsing. I do think we're getting ready for a rebirth on a whole bunch of different levels. And it's good. I think that this is happening in because let's be honest, the mainstream media is the entertainment sphere at this point that 
the fact that this is all and the pandemic has helped this because a lot of stuff just stopped being produced and people just stopped caring. And uh, like Chrissy Teigen, even figuring out that Twitter is no longer good. I think there's a lot of people who've been stuck at home because of this pandemic for the last year who are going, you know, do I really need to continue watching Jimmy Kimmel or Colbert? Or do I need this in my life? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember when I reached that point, it was about two minutes into the show. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some things I try to watch and I'm like, I just can't. It's just too mind numbingly bad. And we hope that's not what you're getting here. No, no. What you're getting here, we hope, is mind numbingly good. Right. Yes. We want to numb your mind there. That, that, no question there. Uh, it, it's it's antiseptic. <laughs> right. It's we are, medicinal. We are the antiseptic for the real world, which is not the real world anymore. So we're actually the antiseptic for the fake news world that nobody wants to be a part of, that everybody's tired of consuming the lies. And it's sad because I used to at least be able to go on to something like CNN's website. And there was a time when you could just read between the lines and you understood there was a little bit of bias there, but there was still chunks of news to be, you know, information to be gleaned from the articles. Now it's like it's a parody site. So everything you read, it's like, this is ridiculous. This isn't even close to being reality. But the the Babylon Bee has better fake news. uh, Yeah, they do. And you have at to least, understand you know, why it's they, being at made. At least they admit it's fake and it's entertaining. Yes. And they do it in a way that is just, they've been on fire throughout this pandemic. Oh, they, they it's hard not to, honestly, if, if you are, if you're positioned in the right place and you have the right state of mind, which is that uh, these people are utterly ridiculous and they're lying to us. And, you know, the, the base. The only regret that I think that I would have if I were the Babylon Bee during this pandemic is that a number of the stories were not satire enough that that you you come up with the wildest, stupidest, most idiotic thing you can come up with. You put it out there as satire and then three weeks later, it comes true. Right, right. You were just predicting the future. I mean, that's got to be frustrating if you're trying to do satire and you're like, oh, I didn't go crazy enough. Now I have to go remove that story because it actually happened. And that's not yeah. what we do here. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of good tech, though, going on in the world here. There I, is Disney World facial recognition. We have that. We have Amazon saying uh, they want to force delivery drivers to consent to AI surveillance or they'll lose their jobs. There's yeah. Uh, I, I I I heard something about this, but I only read the headline. What was going on there with the Amazon thing? I don't think this is a big deal. Personally, I mean, if you work for Amazon, maybe you do, because then the people that are working for them, I guess, feel like this is a little bit invasive, but a lot of it sounds a lot invasive. Well, not but, really, but it might be a condition of employment. Right. And I mean, the main thing would be the biometric consent which says that of course they can have their machine be able to have your image baked into it so they know who you are which that makes sense you're uh, working for them so i mean when, this is when, just when, cameras let's just make very clear these are the cameras okay. inside the delivery vehicles and the fact that the machine might want to go huh let's see ryan bemrose is my driver and somebody that i don't know just got into the truck and start driving away. That might be something they should be okay for them to keep track of. 
You know, I think the probably the more useful thing is uh, I don't know if Amazon does this because I don't pay attention. But uh, if if they start sending the customer a picture of here's the driver who's going to be dropping your stuff off. Um, actually, as a customer, that'd be kind of a cool feature because then you I mean, it, it'd be protection right from people trying to fake your shit or something that's but, what our plumbers did here when they came out before yeah, they texted i'm on I, my way here's a picture of me so you know who it is at the door i mean i can't get too bothered by somebody taking a picture of my face i, I guess that everything changes now that nobody's allowed to show their face but uh i i, I walked around wearing a little plastic card with an rfid chip in it that had a picture of my face on it and that was my id to get into every building on campus when i was a corporate cog in the wheel um it's it's not new and i i mean if you're out in public people get to see your face anyway now if they have biometrics on there like uh you know here's here's your fingerprint encoded into the card that might be a little more invasive and they don't this is a lot more like the things that have been used now for years with insurance companies to monitor your driving because this is a concern i get that for Amazon. I don't like that either. Yeah, but if you're driving for somebody else, then they have a right to know things like, you know, how fast you're driving, how fast you're accelerating. Braking. Yes. The, you know, uh, yeah, the, I mean, when when you are a representative of the company, it is it is important for the company. And yeah, yeah I, I get your point. And, and I kind of understand. Here's here's probably the number one thing that that puts me in in the camp that I, I think agreeing with you that this is probably OK. And that is um, Washington in particular is an at will employment state, which means that um, either party has the right to end the employment agreement at any time for no reason whatsoever. Now, uh, that might go afoul of union rules or something, but I'm sure Amazon probably doesn't employ union labor because they want to keep costs down. And, uh, you know, as, as any big corporation would want to say, fuck unions. Right. So, and you, you know, have, when Amazon entered- was going to have the votes on unions, it had to be in person because, you know, mailing in oh. those ballots. That's oh, never, absolutely. That's never yeah. secure. Um, you know, there, there are unionized companies Washington being a left coast state is, is very, very pro union, but any of the modern, really successful tech companies, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, uh, they, they don't, they don't have unions. Unions are not a thing that happens. Uh, so right to work, uh, not, not right to work. It's not a right to work state and at will employment just means that, uh, they can fire you for any reason. That's the thing. Most people are like, Oh God, this is terrible. But it also means that for any reason whatsoever, if, if you don't like what the company's asking of you, just quit, go do something else. And I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, as, as a, a proponent of capitalism and more importantly, as a proponent of individual choice, uh, if you have the right to decide whether or not you are going to continue working for your employer. And if your employer starts to push requirements on you that you don't like quit, go get another job. And I, I, I run into a, I, I run into a lot of arguments where people are like, well, I can't just get another job. Okay. Can't, or you just think it's difficult because those are two very different things. Right. I, 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 a lot of people just don't seem to grasp the concept of if your job sucks, go get another one. And so many people just start from the base assumption of I have to stay in this job forever. And, and when the, that's, it's kind of the basis of labor unions in, in, and if, 
if Seattle was a, a, a small company town where uh, there was one mine in the town and no other business, then I could see how if you want to work, you got to work for the company. But that's not what big cities are like these days. Well, the and- one place where I will say, though, that the, oh, you can just quit doesn't quite fall through is that the government is coming out and mandating that Amazon is one of the only companies out there where people are allowed to keep working. And when government is going to step in and pick winners and say one business is essential and another one isn't, then if you can't get a job with a, an essential business there, the government might not have allowed any non-essential, any other competition. And then you have a situation where Amazon does have all the control because your options are not work for Amazon or work somewhere else. Your options might be work for Amazon or fuck you. No one else is allowed to be in business. Well, and when it's people that are driving, I can understand why you might want to make sure they're taking their job seriously and they're not being somebody are that you, is are you about to make a safety argument because if so i'll just say you've never driven in seattle <laughs> well no i never have but i've driven okay. you know here in chicago and that's probably going up and down the dan ryan but this is what the devices are allegedly looking for when it comes to these amazon cameras whatever else they're installing in the vehicles would be to show behavior like if you're not putting your seatbelt on distracted driving you know, reading texts while you're driving down the street, driving your yeah. truck. Now, well, people do that all the time when they're not getting paid for it. Well, right. But that's I'm thinking that that's uh, there are laws against that. And people uh, have gotten you know in a lot of trouble. I, I mean, there's that. there's a lot of a lot of jobs out there where that's actually a requirement where they'll, they'll be like, um, OK, I need you to get out on the road now and I will text you your destination in about 15 minutes when I find out. And, and that should be therefore a lot of companies do that. A lot of people. Do, but this I mean, would make sure the for, company for delivery, can't do that to you because then you'd be breaking the rules right there. In fact, what's the one thing you will find prominently displayed on the dashboard of every single delivery vehicle everywhere? A GPS unit. Now you've got something that's moving and flashing and beeping that you have to look at while you're driving. There's a distraction right there. I don't know if you know how to use a GPS unit. They're like, turn left now. You don't have to look at the thing at all. You're not reading it. What do you think? Well, every Uber I've ever... Every Uber I've ever been in, they don't have the voice on. They just have it displayed on the dash. Well, see, that's bad. But see, uh, maybe I don't it blame is. Amazon. And for no, driving. I don't use I don't use the the navigation computers because what I do is I look at a map which has my start and my destination, and then I memorize my route and then I follow <laughs> that from my brain. I know I'm weird. That's so Dvorak of me. <laughs> but I think that this is not a bad thing. And I'd like to know if our buddy truck driver is listening, what he thinks of this. As far as if a company tells you, "Hey, if you want to keep your job, we're going to have this camera to make sure." You know, you're not, there was a truck driver not too long ago watching porn who then ran over a bunch of people and because of distracted driving Were they naked. I, I don't think that, I don't know. I didn't see that in the story. <laughs> and there's some things you just don't want that to would know. change up the facts of the story. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, that, that it certainly would. But when it comes down to this kind of stuff, I understand all of these things could be a slippery slope that open you up to other issues. But I don't think that somebody that a big part of their business is putting people out on the roads in vehicles that they own. I know some people still deliver in their own vehicles, but in the vehicles that Amazon owns, if they want to put cameras in those vehicles, 
as part of you being able to be employed, you have to okay that you're working under those conditions. To me, this is the one place as much as I hate the, hey, man, I'm not doing anything wrong, so I don't mind if you look at my cell phone. In this case, this isn't your cell phone. This isn't your vehicle. This is the company vehicle. And if you run somebody over, the company is going to be liable. That's another part of the difference. If you cause an accident and kill a bunch of people while you're an Amazon delivery driver, Amazon is going to get sued. Any company is going to get sued. If they're if it's their vehicle and you're their employee and it turns out you were doing something behind the wheel that you shouldn't, this is just a way for Amazon to keep that from happening. And it doesn't have to be Amazon. No, I I understand it. And I, I absolutely agree with you on your fundamental point, which is that if they want to do this as a condition of employment, then your options are, yeah, okay, I'm fine with that. Or I guess I won't work for you. Right. Uh, and not both of those it. are totally valid options. Uh, if, if they want to install it in my personal car, uh, no. Right. Fuck off. Well, I my would car. agree. But, but if it's your car and I'm just driving it for a paycheck, then there, there are going to be conditions under which that happens. And, and, and um, notwithstanding uh, various labor laws that say what can can't be in a contract uh, for employment. Yeah, it's a contract for employment. Take it or leave it. That's how it works. Or, or negotiate if you want. Not that anybody negotiates for anything anymore. I did on my, uh, on my grass. <laughs> they went up like 20% <laughs> and they just sent the new contract and I emailed back. No, that's too much. I understand if you have to stay at that price. And they came back with, no, we'll do it at last year's price. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Uh, but there was a quote here on the Breitbart article from Amazon driver Henry Search, who should be working for like Google or something like that. If your name's Henry Search, Search. yeah, <laughs> you should be working for somebody else. But he said, we are out here working all day, trying our best already. The cameras are just another way to control us. And I would ask you this question. If you're an Amazon driver or a delivery driver in any way, shape or form, how do you do your job differently if there are cameras or not? How does this affect how you do your job? I, I don't know, but I bet Amazon has some statistics that show <laughs> that uh, there are, uh, you know, 13 percent fewer people being run over by Amazon trucks with cameras in them than without. And that would be a good stat to point to and go, well, this is why. And, yeah, uh, something. I, and, and, and again, that that quote right there, uh, you know, and and it. Obviously, the the reporter making the story didn't bother to ask, but but it, it just hearing that quote suggests to me that this is one of the people who comes from a mindset of once you have a job, you are entitled to that exact same job forever or as long as you want to keep it, and that anything that that threatens your way of life or causes you to maybe have to consider going to another job is is just not possible and nobody's capable of ever quitting and going and getting another one that i i just i don't know it it, it it maybe it's a seattle thing but i get that all over the place of people saying well uh you know th- this would I, I can't do that because i'd have you know i'd lose my job well okay so get another one well i can't i have to keep my current one period I do this <laughs> yes yeah i don't i don't understand Yeah, and I think there is a certain amount of that, but I think it's also that, and I worked retail, and I can tell you that whether the main store manager was in the building 
or whether it was the assistant manager who was a pushover really changed how people worked at that particular time. No way. Yeah. Believe it or not, (laughs) that if the hard ass manager was in that, you knew would, you know, bust you on anything you were doing, then you didn't do it when you knew you could get away with it. You'd go sit in the break room when it wasn't your break and nobody would say anything except maybe come back and be like, uh, could you go back out on the floor? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, these uh, they don't understand that overall, a majority of people do not enjoy their jobs and do not want to do the best. There's something I think that is missing overall in our society, which is no matter what you're doing, that was one of the things I took out of. The guys, I forget his name, but the guy that created the flaming hot Cheetos that was working as a janitor for Frito Lay, who, when he got the job, his mom or somebody said to him that, you know, hey, be the best damn janitor they ever saw and take pride in what you're doing, no matter what it is. And now you, we have and, these and entitled then, pricks who are like, like, I'm only a delivery driver. Or I'm only working at McDonald's. Screw that. It's, it's, it's. At the risk of sounding like a, a grumpy old man, it's the entitlement generation. It is. That is. It's, it's yeah. the generation who learned that you know we're going to get participation trophies, and the only thing that's expected of me is show up, and I don't have to do any more than that, and I'm just going to get my just due, and it'll be fair and equitable for everybody, and there's no reason to ever go above and beyond because I deserve the base minimum, and anybody who gets more than me is evil anyway. Right. Let's keep raising that minimum wage so I can continue to live. Yeah. And, and yeah, if you're making minimum wage, it, it means that, uh, if they could pay you less, they would. Hey, like us, we're podcasters. Yeah. Yeah. Where's my minimum wage? (laughs) Yeah. Where is it at, Joe? Come on, Joe. It's not like we just work. Did did we two hours uh, a day? Okay. Between the two of us, let's see, two hours, two hours twice a week. Uh, so between the two of us, we should be making, uh, minimum federal minimum wage. They want to push it to what? 15. Right. So that means that in order to hit the minimum poverty line, Grumpy Old Ben's needs to be making $60 a show or two hours for two podcasters. And uh, we have $67 total today. So I guess we are making yes. minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't take into account the show prep. And there is some, believe no, it or not. There was some. And then there's that doesn't, that doesn't take into account the, the mental anguish and and you know teeth grinding that happens when i'm digging my way through microsoft press releases right well yeah because you look at the stories and you go how can anybody be this stupid and i'm like and i'm like this looks juicy they're they're talking about confirming all uh, items online there's got to be a story here 45 minutes later okay i've been through 12 press releases and they haven't said anything right because press releases aren't news it's like the biden you know press i know where you don't and that's the sad thing biden was out there for an hour and if you watch the thing from start to finish i guarantee you you didn't learn anything so why have this you don't learn anything you don't get any new information you don't get any viable news that you can take from it and that is what a lot of these tech stories are now because they're nothing more than political shills or they're people that are doing journalistic things that never either study journalism or were really bad at their J- journalism is is going out and researching the facts and then reporting them as as you identify it. And that's not what people who call themselves tech journalists do now. They just 
take Hey, somebody on Twitter said this. Yeah. Yeah. This company released a press release and I'm just going to read it to you on my podcast. Yes. Which I will say, I was going to ask you how you feel about these kind of things, because I don't often see them. And the bleeping computer Uh is a site that I go to a lot and I like bleeping computer. They usually get a lot of stories there. Right. They do. They seem to have a decent amount of stories. And the first time this has been sitting on my list for a little while and uh and because it really isn't a story but it's it's kind of relevant i think to the fact of what we've been talking about which is there was what looked like a story and it was nothing more than a full ad let me use search here to find this um and i was like half of the stories on even the big newspapers are that anymore yes and this was the uh, the headline on bleeping computer was if you want to build a professional website wix is your solution and i'm like oh jesus how no well it sounds like an ad it is an ad i i'd be like clicking through okay next <laughs> but they were you know it wasn't like i will appreciate the twitters and facebooks of the world that do this and it has the big red blinking ad symbol right next to it so you know what you're reading that looks like everything else in the feed is a paid promotion. That was not what bleeping computer did. And I think it lost them a lot of credibility in my book because it was nothing more than an ad. And I was just slightly offended by the fact that you would try to make the, I have no problem with them doing ads, go for it, but don't try to make it look like a news story because I know people have used Wix and it's horrible. There's a big difference out there between putting up an ad and saying, you know, this is an ad and putting it in the slot that you expect banner ads and making it very clear and having the little thing under the bottom says advertisement. I mean, that's one thing. And everybody who uses ads will do that at some point or another. But um, I remember eight, nine years ago when I first learned the concept on, on no agenda. In fact, I learned the concept of what a native ad is. And I was thinking back then, this is insidious and this is horrible. And I hope it doesn't catch on. And it's, it's 75% of news today. Yeah. The, the, uh, the it, news yeah. story like, Hey, Burger King just came out with their new booger burger. Taste that booger flavor. Yeah. And, and you don't say it's an ad. You, you present it like it's a news story, but it's very, if, if you pay attention, it's, you you are shilling a product and you got paid for it and that makes it an advertisement, but you don't say that it's an advertisement. It just is disguised and dressed up to look like your other content. That's what a native ad is. And it's dishonest. It is. And we try not to do that here. And when sources that I normally no. go to do that, I just like, no, don't do that. Stop that. But we don't have advertisers. We just have experts. We have people that take part in the value for value model that we use, which is we do these shows. We put them out there. We hope you get value out of them. And if you do, it's up to you to get that value back to us in any way, shape or form that you want. Monetarily is one way to do that. And we do have some experts today, including coming in at 25 bucks. I finally, finally understand the name. This took me so long. I don't know why. I don't know why there was this disconnect. And it was the same. Because this dude also sent in to No Agenda recently, and when JCD read the thing, he's like, 
B10M. Um, I don't know how, how, what do you, uh, that, that's what I've always read. Blom, B L O M. I'm like, oh, oh, that, it's just like lead speak. Now I get it. No, I, it's, it's always going to be B10M to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's much cooler, B10M, but now I get yeah. it. Now I get it. And he had a little note. Oh, you know, we have a, we have a concept, uh, a, a couple interesting concepts in uh, computer science, uh, like uh, in computer science, if you've ever heard the term I-18N, right, which stands for internationalization, which is a 20 letter word. And when you're typing it out, either in source code or communications, that is a lot of friggin' keys to press. And if you're in, you know, some special team that has to deal with this and say the word over and over again, internationalization is a, a, a cumbersome word. And so it, it has been shortened in the parlance to I-18N, which 18 is the number of characters in between the I and the N. It's a 20 character word. And so you, you see that all the time. And I got really confused the first time. And then I realized, yeah, it, it's just way easier to, it's quicker to speak say i18n than it is to say internationalization but True. it's also way faster to type out and it just became shorthanded everybody in computer science kind of understands that's what it is and when when i saw b10m the first time i honestly thought that it was going to be a 12 letter <laughs> word that started with b and ended with m you're like okay what could this be let's and I, I kind of yeah i kind of thought i was like well what what would you call that <laughs> and that would have made more sense. Yeah, but I just didn't see that. I mean, because we know, look at behind the screams or whatever that show is with uh, Boobery that uses the threes. And it's like, the oh, screams. That, yeah. And then there was uh, Billy Bones. He uses the three and it's like the Bond oh, threes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, just another case of that. So now we get it. Blom. He says uh, in the note, hey, guys. And yes, it is extended like that in the note. Finally, okay. got a, finally got around donation to the grumpy show. Love your pods. Keep them coming. Anyway, cheers from the still locked down Netherlands. So, uh, I mean, hey, we so, hope things are getting better there. I mean, you need you need those vaccines, but you, you don't have them there because you, you don't so have I'm, capitalism. I'm totally OK with the hey, guys, because uh, I, 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 I'm guys. not. I, yeah. And I, I'm not I'm not a no agenda host. I'm, I'm not going to get upset at that. But the pods. <laughs> pods. yeah love your pods love your pods well i do i have a couple pods every day stick them in the machine then this hot liquid yeah. comes out although i know that's very got pod people who come by every once in a while that uh, oh what <laughs> that's very pedestrian for what you drink i mean you i know you don't even believe the uh, pod coffee is real coffee you're like hey, hey, hey. Uh, yeah i'm 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 not necessarily going to admit that i i ran out of i Ooh. ran out of coffee beans yesterday and no. may or may not have have used instant this morning oh, oh wait 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 instant's way worse even than a coffee pod you're like this you're, stuff isn't bad actually this stuff is is pretty like tasty Easter's choice it's, it's super bitter no i don't remember what it's called but it's something that uh uh that lisa started using after being turned on to it by nick the rat who apparently uses it all the time nice uh it it i I not really one for instant coffee and frankly, having to drink it at all makes me grumpy, but it, it was caffeinated. I like the, uh, the powder cafe Bustello is good. Although I like their stuff overall. Anyway, I'm sure that is uh cultural appropriation. I mean, can white guys drink cafe Bustello? Is that okay? Uh, I don't uh, know. Only in blackface. Oh, no, that's for Hispanic, not black. <laughs> I think you're confused. Okay, then you have to wear Hispanic face. Oh, that'd be cool. 
or like a sombrero. It, I'm, like, it, I'm not sure what what color that is, but I'm sure that it's that it's somewhere between you know puce and chardonnay on the color spectrum. See, Net Ned's in the Cafe Bustello too. He knows. He knows good stuff. But uh, thank you, Blom, for coming in. We hope the Netherlands gets uh, some sanity and gets back to normal life at some point here, like we all are hoping for. Uh, coming in at twenty bucks, Don Jessif says, "Keep doing the work, fellas." Which uh, w- were we supposed to do work? I was going to ask you about this. I don't understand the I, I, as little as possible, but it does happen occasionally from time to time. A little work every now every and every once in a while. I do work, and every once in a while, I waste all of my research time reading press releases. Can you go down? Still a little bitter about that. I'm going to keep mentioning it. <laughs> I researched this for 14 hours. Well, what was the, what'd you come out with? Yeah, what'd you get? Three sentences. <laughs> I got, I got like 15 seconds I can fill. Yeah, that, that happens. Sometimes the work is not productive, as they say. Uh, she says, thank you for your courage and all that vital info I didn't know I needed. See, that is what we provide here. There's information out there. You didn't know you needed it in your brain and we're putting it there, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Because I, I, where else am I going to put it? True. True. I mean, like I got the cats can only I, listen to so much. I got that that meme of the dude with the oranges. Like I can't hold all this information. We'll just got to put it in your brain. Just drop it. Coming in with twelve bucks via check, our buddy Progo. That is a monthly thing, and we appreciate that Progo. I'm going to be doing a thing with him on podcasting for his uh, computer club out there, and ooh. That will be, he's like, oh, it's the second Thursday of every month. It's like, is that cool? I'm like, well, yeah. Then I'm like, oh, wait, 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 wait. The second Thursday of April is the 8th. And that's my birthday. Uh, Happy birthday. (laughs) And uh, I won't be doing it in April. Bullets. I said, let's shoot for May and do that. So that should be fun. He wants to, you know, everything from the equipment that you can use, the editing being that needs to be done. And uh, for some people, that's more. Now I want to sit in on that. Yeah, you should. It'll be good. And coming in at 10 bucks. A, the aforementioned Chris, a.k.a. Sir Seat Sitter, who came in with the 10 saying for the dude named Bam microphone fund. And I'm like, when the guy's podcast that you were just on two days ago or something, when he's saying you need money for yeah. a microphone, is that is that bad? Did you not sound <laughs> no. as good on his show? No, uh, I, I, I did not. And I, I think, you know, damn well, don't don't make me admit that you are. I do the magic. The only thing that makes me sound OK. See, Sir Seat Sitter, you need the money, buddy. We should send them back to him for You know what? Every podcast needs their own Darren O'Neill. Yeah, that would be. uh, And if I come at a very reasonable rate, that is at least six figures a year. And uh, that works. So just reach out if you need that kind of help. But uh, those are the experts for today. And we appreciate everybody for supporting the Grumpy Old Bands. We are coming up on our two year anniversary and my birthday. And no, it's just going to be. A celebration over the next few weeks and then you're taking some time off how dare you how dare you i, I would never i would never um but well, you know the weather out here is just beautiful in the springtime it's overcast it's it's 45 degrees fahrenheit it's drizzling <laughs> you know sometimes punctuated by heavy rain showers uh, what's not to like about camping weather all of that sounds horrible to be outside but if that's what Bemlet needs to do to get away from that's, the wife that, and kids that, and have how, a few drinks. I think the I think the wife and kids are coming with. That's oh, just how Bemlet wants idiot? to. That's how Bemlet wants to get older. 
Somebody's going to push him off as, a cliff somewhere. It, you know, coincidentally, this this happened last year and the year before too. But uh, Bemlet's birthday is three days after yours, Ooh. and and uh, he is turning forty. So if anybody sees Bemlet in the troll room or somewhere, uh, tell him happy birthday, you old geezer. Tell him happy fiftieth. Yes, <laughs> he'll be he'll be quite proud of that. Well, he listens to the show. That's okay. Um, but we do the value for value model. If you want to take part, grumpyoldbenz.com. Click the donate button for a one-time or monthly donation. You can use the QR code for the Bitcoin thing or the snail mail address to do checks and that kind of thing. It all works out and it all helps keep the lights on, the microphones humming and Bemrose sounding good. Go listen to Sir Seat Sitter's podcast, which is called Abs in a Six Pack. You can be like, who's this guy on the show? I don't, don't even recognize the voice. But uh, who, Chris, no, he's on most of the shows. No, I met you on the show. Uh, or, the or did you mean Noah, who I finally <laughs> met for the first time? You're like, oh, wait, there is another one. Well, I, I knew I, I knew I was going to be on the show. So I went and like started really listening to the last several. And there have been some really good shows and you should listen to all of them, except the one with me, which wasn't very good. But um, I had no idea there was a second co-host. Did he or a did second he, host? Did he pull the thing like that tech podcast where it was 45 minutes into the show? And he's like, yeah. Wait, wait, who was that? No, no. I mean, he he did show up a little late, uh, but I imagine he had something going on. And then uh, partway through and and I didn't even notice this because, of course, I, if if I don't have you on the show to interrupt me and and Sir Seat Sitter, he is I mean, he he's a great guy to talk to, but he's way too polite. He waits his turn to talk. <laughs> and so if means- I don't have you to interrupt me, I'm going to start ranting. And 40 minutes later, I might take a breath. Well, see, now somebody that if you're going on search seats at her show, test this, have a monologue ready and see how long just never stop long enough for him to start speaking. This see sounds how- like a task for me to. Yes, me you can do it. Just keep going, talking, talking, talking. Don't let him get in. Now, the thing is. Every now and then, or uh, Sir Gene, Sir Gene could do it. <laughs> they did four and a half hours with with Hog Story and Sir Gene, so yeah, he could definitely do it. And I know that uh, during our shows, you every now and then used to sneak away for a quick bathroom break, which was usually like ninety seconds. Now Chris over on Abs in a Six Pack goes for a go to the store nap, get a six pack, <laughs> smoke a joint, and come back and be like, "Oh, you, you, we're still doing a show, huh? Okay." And then he comes back in. It's genius. So, so I, I probably should apologize to uh, you. Know, Chris actually did talk and we had a, a pretty good conversation back and forth. I definitely did mo- almost all of the ranting. Um, I should have probably apologized to Noah, the other host on that show, because um, I, I, I don't know if this is just the way he is, but I talked a lot and I never really gave him a chance. <laughs> So, well, you know, that podcasting is not for the meek that if you aren't going to be willing to jump in, especially when you start getting on a Can you show, tell Fletcher that man, I wish he'd speak up sometimes. <laughs> I know on once you show. get more than oh. two people on a show, especially it is very easy for one person just to kind of feel a little left out or to sit back and be like, oh, I'm waiting for an opening that never comes. And uh, it you just have to break in especially if it's audio only you know at least maybe video yeah. you can kind of like oh wait I, on video you can you can raise your hand or right. you know cross your legs hop on one leg and be like i need you to talk for 90 seconds i'm going to the bathroom now 
I'll be back. Or or at the very least, if we're looking at each other on camera, you can see the empty chair and be like, maybe I shouldn't throw it to Bemra just yet. <laughs> no, that's exactly when <laughs> maybe you do I should. it. Hey, and what do you think, Ryan? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> it would take a total asshole to do something like that. I'm just saying. You're welcome. So what else? Do we have anything else? Uh, the only other thing I got, uh, let's see, I got, uh, I have a bit of a rant on smart places, mobile tracking, but I'm honestly not sure there's much here. It's just something that's been going on that I only just learned about. Um, but how about, have you ever heard of a company called Sakari? I have not. Uh, who does, um, they have an SMS service, which primarily Ooh. caters to mass SMS marketers. So I already hate them. Um, but they uh uh it, a motherboard did uh this kind of an in-depth thing where what what they figured out is uh a way that you can spend sixteen dollars uh to get an account with a company called Sakari, but they're not the only ones who could do this, they're just the ones that they did. Um and what you can do is you can pay them to uh reroute sms's to a particular number and reroute them to you right and then um you don't have to have consent you just have to promise that you're above board and every sms that they get now goes to you instead and they they stop getting them um this uh well, the first place my mind went, the the motherboard article didn't really call it out, but the first place my mind went is, um, doesn't everybody get SMS messages as part of what companies call two-factor authentication these days? Yes, so which is where like, this uh, is a big deal. Yeah, this is a huge deal. Uh, why is, I only found it on vice.com, which is a terrible website. Uh, how is this not huge? I don't know. Okay, I saw one of the ways it's not huge is it's already been patched by the carriers, but. Well, yeah. Well, this is why what is going for two factor authentication is is bad. I mean, especially if you end up losing your phone number for any reason, which happens, you know, you don't pay your phone bill or something. If all of you or somebody or somebody just has a social engineering attack on one of the big call centers and gets them to transfer your number out. Yep. Sim stealing. That, That happened to somebody I knew. Yeah. That gives them the ability to have your life. So you don't want to use SMS for two-factor authentication. You really do. And I've got to set it up. I've had the thing for probably a year now. I need to start using the YubiKey because I've never even That's set it up. That's a good one. And I, I just use the Authenticator app, which is is better than anything to do with SMS and better than anything that, that uses like, like, you know, here, your second factor is your email address or something like that. It's not as good as a YubiKey, but. I, my only question still with the YubiKey, which I haven't researched recently, and this would be a good reason to test this thing out and then uh, give a, a primer on that on a future show, is if you have something like, say, multiple Gmail addresses and you don't want to tie those things together, meaning you don't want Google to know that you're really, you know, deep throat four, five, six. We don't want that to be t- tied to, you know, so, Pemrose. I do have a really quick, really easy piece of advice. And that is, if you care about privacy, don't be on Google. Well, yes. Any company, though, that if you want, yeah. my thing would be now, if you're if you're using the two factor authentication with the YubiKey and you use that on multiple accounts with the same carrier, will they be able to tell 
that you own both of those accounts or that the same YubiKey is signing in? Or does the YubiKey give a unique code for every sign? I have sure. to believe that it uses one-time pads for everything and it doesn't. Uh, I, I, that seems like a pretty big hole if they're using giving out a shared code. Yes, I would agree. But I've never been able to figure that one out for sure. But yes, you want to use the YubiKey, not the SMS. Because if somebody can get into your text messages, reroute them especially, and get that information, a lot of times they'll use that to reset passwords as well. So, I mean, it's not just like, well, they would still need my password. So what's the, what good is the SMS going to do? Well, a lot of times if they have your SMS, they're going to be able to reset your password. Yeah. Uh, it- there there's not a hell of a lot to this story other than um yeah there there was it for for a brief time when this article came out and and for an unknown amount of time before that it was trivial to just go out and say of course i have consent and hijack anybody's sms messages which is uh, i mean that's annoying if you use sms to keep up with your family but that is absolutely devastating if you're using SMS for two-factor authentication. Um, that particular method of of hijacking SMS has uh, the uh, both uh, spokespeople for both Verizon and T-Mobile and uh, AT and T have all said, "Well, we're, we've closed it now. Uh, the number registry no longer supports this function." Um, I, I don't know if that means that it can be done or if it means that the the attack is now changed and somebody else knows it. Right. Uh, but I guess where I'm going is um, SMS is not secure and uh, nope. probably shouldn't be used as one of your main methods of authentication or, or for communicating. Really, yeah, maybe not to it. Well, that's why everybody needs to move to talks, right? I, I'm using it daily with the wife and it works just fine. I believe that. And it is a much better feeling knowing this stuff isn't in a Google log for the rest of all time. And it is something that works on the cell phone, works on the desktop. And it's not necessarily the most eloquent system, but it works. And it's secure, uh, not talks, uh, booty steed. It's tox, T O X. So if you look up tox and, uh, yeah, you can find the program we, I use on the desktop is Q tox. We've talked about it on Grumpy Old Ben's, but you actually did a pretty good deep dive on random thoughts. If if you can, if somebody can pull up that episode number, yeah, it's uh, well, just go do a search on randomthoughts.com, dot com. R e n d u m b thoughts dot com yes. for t o x. You'll find that in the troll room. Bully Steed is asking if I am going to circle back to the prions shed by COVID nineteen vaxors and uh, right uh, there. There is the possibility it could happen right now. No. Because uh, I may not have made this clear, but honestly, I think it's science fiction. It's it's fascinating science fiction, but I don't think it's right. However, the thing that would cause me to circle back and go back over the story is in three years when the zombie apocalypse starts because of these vaccines. And then that'll be news. Yeah. If people just start dropping like flies when the next round of this virus is hitting because, oh, well, you had the. Yeah. And, and won't that be a good time for everyone? That'll be that'll be enough. They'll be like, we need another vaccine for the vaccine. Yes, <laughs> that, that could be a little bit confusing. Um, there was a story. Not much to make of we, this. We will we, we'll have people the the they'll be anti vaccinating. Right. We'll be. Well, yeah, I, that they'll, it, it won't be good. 
Uh, not much to the story except the fact that it happened. Backblaze mistakenly shares backup metadata with Facebook. So if Oops. you're on, you're on Backblaze. <laughs> these are where companies like this have to be very, very careful. Somehow, what's, what's Backblaze again? It is a backup company that people pay monthly oh. to have their data <laughs> so, stored. So they're not. They're not collecting your data incidentally. You are actually paying them for them to hold on to it. Correct. Okay. You're paying them. And somehow they say this was accidental and that this wasn't a deal with Facebook and no money changed hands. But somehow the one by one advertising pixel that is on all of the Backblaze marketing pages, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing illegal about it. All these companies do this to track you. But somehow that same one by one pixel wound up once people were logged in and the metadata on any file that you did a preview of. So this is you've got a file on the one of their servers that's backed up and you look at the metadata that was sent to Facebook. So congratulations. <laughs> did you just so understand? It's just, I mean, I, it's it's yet another breach. I guess i it's it's an argument for only having encrypted backups not that that saves you much with with the metadata but i i I don't know i i mean it's a breach this breach wasn't caused by a hacker getting in but rather than by human stupidity which is far more plentiful than hackers right probably a content management system that they're like well add this to every page and for whatever reason it didn't (laughs) well you know made it onto the pages that it shouldn't be for i mean i I think Grumpy Old Ben's listeners and and experts should probably realize by now that if if your data is in the cloud, then it can be breached and you need to make sure that you're aware that's a possibility. And and the solution might be encrypted and the solution might be store that locally. Well, unless it's not ideal for a backup, but well, unless you're a pedophile, because the there was also an article on Breitbart. Swedish are, are you suggesting that people should store their child porn unencrypted on in the cloud? Well, Swedish law, this was the article from Breitbart, allows child abusers to keep indecent images on cloud drives because the laws only allow <laughs> for local machines to be confiscated in it. And this this really is so bizarre. clear your browser cache while they're b- breaking down your door. Pretty much, because this kind of makes you think now. With so many people using these kind of services where you're saving information in the cloud that the I mean, how would the government find those, I guess, would be the question. Or how would they have access to it? As you said, if it's a good backup service, the stuff is encrypted before it gets to them. So this really does lead to an interesting conundrum for, you know, law enforcement and tech and. uh the fact is, this says a man convicted of raping a 14 year old girl in 2009, 2009 was able to keep pictures of the teen on a cloud drive, despite police having seized his devices, which stored the images after serving his sentence. He has reportedly come back, was released and is threatening the girl with the photographs. So it says there's a legal loophole that doesn't allow the authorities to access accounts such as email or cloud drive services as the information contained in them is held elsewhere rather than the suspect's machine, meaning abusers can possess the indecent images, according to the uh, the media there. 
I sense a, a, a new law coming in soon that, that closes this obvious loophole. Yeah, you would think that this would I mean, all be. Uh, uh, if, if you ask law enforcement, most things that, that enforce privacy, those are loopholes and must be removed. But th- this one, I think, legitimately might be. Yes. Yeah. And it's one of, well, it's one of those things, too. It's like, well, how do you know where people have accounts? I mean, if somebody is actually methodical. Well, their computer. But whether well, somebody's methodical, how would they find if you had a backup on one of these sites? Uh, how would they know? Rubber hose cryptography. You know, rubber hose cryptanalysis. Well, that's it. That would be the only way. Because you wouldn't know that there was an offsite backup being done. If, you know, if, if somebody was doing what we would recommend to most listeners to do, which is use a VPN, don't keep cookies on your machine, always clear your browser history, whatever. It becomes really hard to find out. Well, f- far be it from me to uh, try to offer advice for pedophiles to be able to do what they do without getting caught. But if if we steer this away from child porn and toward uh, something, yeah, securing your files that might be totally legitimate, but just not something that you want everyone to have access to. Um, yeah, that. If if you do follow all of this advice, the the VPN, the and and most importantly, uh, you know, use things like uh, incognito mode in your browser or or a browser plugin that clears your cache and your history when you close the browser and things like that. Um, it's there's surprisingly little that somebody can get from seizing your laptop, right? Which you know, we're right back to, but Microsoft and Adobe thinks they'll be able to tell you what's a fake video or a fake image well, all they have to do is coerce everybody into installing their copyright browser plugin yes if i mean everybody people does are, it. people are installing bitch to boss how this how much worse can this be <laughs> i mean that's still i think that's a great concept but we, we need our own version of that though <laughs> I, I did check and and bitch to boss got about ten thousand more installs uh since we oh. did our show last week damn i mean well, we need something like that rewrites the web address for the Joe Rogan show to grumpy old com. So when and, and then we need to use the Microsoft and Adobe method of forcing everybody to install that. Yes, plug no, in. It'll be very simple. <laughs> it's the great m- best marketing thing I've ever come up with. Get, I guess see if we can get Mozilla to put that up as a featured extension. Yes. Yeah, we, we need to do that because we need some help here. So hit some people in the mouth as they say on no agenda, uh, kick them in the balls, whatever you have to do, let them know that grumpy old Ben's exists and that we will be back on Monday to do another fun filled, hard hitting show. And I've got a lot of stories that I know Sir Seatsitter would like, because there's a lot of stories on the wokeism, the Chicago area town wanting to pay the black folks because, you know, reparations, Oakland paying black folks because, you know, reparation. So there's a lot we can talk about that's certainly not tech related. I, and, you uh, know, and I, I, I had thought about bringing some story to the Sir Seat Sitter show. And then instead, we just spent most of the time where I was busy making him jealous that I'm within walking distance of a shop where I can go in and legally buy marijuana. <laughs> that was that was which, the big thing for him, huh? Which was great because he's like, but I didn't think that you even smoke pot. I'm like, I don't, but I can. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to, I could. You're like, do you even have any idea what I would be like on marijuana? I mean, you've heard the show. Do you really want that? No. 
We I don't know what it would be like, and it would be entertaining to find out, but not going to happen today. The average person becomes really mellow, as far as I can oh, it'd tell. it'd probably make me angry. Right? That would be hilarious if you're the one guy that smokes pot and then gets pissed off. That would be, well, it would be Bemrose. That's something in the DNA. That and would be so Bemrose. Everybody should stay tuned to find out exactly what might happen. But until Monday, then. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I could buy marijuana, too, but I'd rather just buy barbecued ribs. And from America's left coast, where we ponder the important question, where will you be when the zombie apocalypse begins? I'm Ryan Bemrose. Sorry. 